ABC goes TGIF. Freaks and Geeks introduces a new generation of stars, and HBO is in the middle of a new golden era this week on 30 2010. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30, 20, 10, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine taking you back 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? This is our fourth season, and that means... I shouldn't even say that anymore. For now, that means we're looking at 1989, 1999, and 2009. What came out? Who was popular? What movies are we watching? What TV shows are premiering? This week, it's a lot of them, because we're covering <laughs> September 20th to the 26th, which was the traditional launch of new television shows in a pre-Netflix era. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. I can't think of anything good to say, except this is the best week of TV ever. It's Diana Goodman! <laughs> It's me, Sarah, walking and talking. <laughs> and I'm walking right now. This is really astonishing because there's a ton of movies I've seen and find very unremarkable, and the mm-hmm. television is the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. A bunch yes. of stuff you you either love or should love, and hopefully we can rekindle some memories uh, with you or at least help you create some new ones because there's a lot of good stuff you might have slept on uh, and haven't seen yet. It, it is an astounding week of television. It and really is. a lot of good stuff that I think will jog your memory and watch. Mm. you'll want to go back and rewatch. I actually, today, was... I got rid of all my DVDs. I donated them to our what? Cap City Video Lounge, like, last year. You have to tell me before you do that. I know. I'm foolish. <laughs> and then now I'm probably going to be buying back a bunch of box sets. <laughs> I was looking on Amazon today. I was like, oh, I was a foolish, foolish girl. I mean, you to get see, rid of some of these commentaries that you can't get anywhere else. I, well, I mean, on two, two fronts, I would credit in one decade. Again, this is the show we talk about three decades. 1999, I think The Sopranos has just sent a clear message that television can do something different and possibly be a deeper experience mm-hmm. than movies if it really tries. And a couple of people do take that message to heart. And in 2009, we have introduced ourselves to a streaming era. And maybe those shows don't have the kind of audience that would break the commercial bank, but it's getting people talking more than traditional shows are, and we're seeing a lot of other weird television coming out right now. So it is a really interesting time for TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and, and the, that is not to even mention the 80s, where I think if you're our age, something that was kind of pivotal to all of your childhoods and appointment viewing in a monoculture three-channel world is happening this very week. Yes. Fuck me. Uh, this is a very interesting <laughs> week of 30, 2010. Stay yep. right there because uh, we have a lot to talk about. And I should say, this is this show is almost entirely listener-supported. Patreon.com slash LazerTime supports the entire LazerTime network. And we have a brand new season of Elm Street Nightmare where we look at uh, horror <laughs> movies. And this it's the Child's Play series this year. But uh, you can go Ooh. back over there. There's the We looked at all 10, episode, uh, 10 entries in the Friday the 13th series and, of course, all seven entries in the Nightmare on Elm Street series where the show gets its name. Just announcing that right here so you know it's there in addition to a bunch of bonus podcasts that Sarah frequently comes on. Hear about me crying to Fleetwood Mac and the Dark Crystal. I, I don't know why I tear up so <laughs> often alone. I cry up, cry to one of those on a regular basis. <laughs> Guess which one? But back to back to thirty twenty ten, which your contributions help support and uh, compensate everybody for their time and energy. So thank you guys so much for all of that. September twentieth to twenty sixth. This is about to get crazy, and we'll start out with a little bit of news in nineteen eighty nine to let you know what's happening in the world. 
Uh, Vietnam finishes withdrawal from Cambodia. What? Ending an 11 year occupation. Yep. Yeah. So there was this thing called the Vietnam War. What? And I know Peter Coyote uh, told me all about it. Involved and China got involved. And uh, one of the things we did while we were fighting the North Vietnamese is we bombed the shit out of Cambodia because we said, oh, the Vietnamese troops are hiding there. And they kind of were, but it was also kind of a war crime. So Cambodia got super destabilized and uh, they had a government called the Khmer Rouge, which slaughtered a huge number of their people. And I remember it was only a couple of years ago. I watched The Killing Fields, which is about this mm-hmm. and like reading like, oh, my God, what the hell happened after this movie? Like what, what was going on? And it's I think the only history, if you're like reading the Wikipedia page, you're like, OK, and then they. Pol Pot does this, and then they kill everyone who wears glasses, and then they force everyone out of the cities to go farm, but those people don't know how to farm. And, oh, God, Vietnam invaded. Oh, thank God. Maybe this will end now. I never thought, oh, yes, the Viet Cong, they're here to save everyone. (laughs) Yeah, it's basically what happened. So the Vietnamese roll into Cambodia um, to stop some of the craziness. And then there's more craziness, but they finally, I guess you could kind of call this the end of the Vietnam War right here in a weird way, 1989. That's insane. That's insane wow. to think it's about. It's fucking insane. And I still don't know enough about the Vietnam War. Yeah, it's still something that is like a very misty blank spot. I in watched my four episodes knowledge. of Ken Burns' documentary and like I didn't know any of this. Same. I remember yep. Forrest Gump rescued his friend. Sure. And that was about it. Mm-hmm. And, yep. <laughs> and and is, is this the first year of the first the first National Film Registry? It is because these yes, movies. The Library these, of Congress rolls out the National Film Registry, where they're going to. These movies, rattling them off, reads like a sizzle reel that should happen in front of a Disney ride about movies. Yes, it's, yep. it's Basically ridiculous. Is. It's the a great yeah. movie ride so, uh, montage. And yeah. I'll chime in with the movies you don't need to see. <laughs> no, I think. I mean, honestly, these are all. Some of them I would say like, well, it's kind of boring. This one you might not work for you, but it's historic, so it's important. I just so wanted to there... I, I want to take some time to do something no other mm-hmm. podcast has the balls to do, and yeah. slam Nanook of the North. Whoa, that movie is not you worth should. watching. Hot that that movie is not you worth should. watching. It is super faked. It is fake as hell, and it's <laughs> it's it's used in film schools to describe what a fake document, how you can skew someone's perception of something not real, okay. and yeah, it's I not don't worth know watching. What this is. It's a fake documentary about Eskimos. Okay, but and not a mockumentary. No, okay. no, it's it's no. it's a silent black and white documentary. So don't watch it. <laughs> Wasn't planning on it. Don't I mean, watch I'll it. I'll just cross it off my list. But uh, there are actually a couple things in here I haven't heard of. But everything else, like you should really, really, really watch. Mm. A little uh, gay indie movie, Star Wars, mm. and that one you don't need to see because you probably already have. You're probably watching it right now. Probably. Uh, Doctor Strange Love. You need to see that. Yes. Fuck yeah. Some like it hot. Of course, Vertigo. For real. Wait, wait. Hmm. Some like it hot. The funniest movie of all time. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the number one funniest movie of all time. Followed closely by Tootsie. Yes. yes. <laughs> Nothing funnier than Men in Dresses. Vertigo, uh, kind of a. I don't. I, I I lived in San Francisco for so long that they treat they treat that movie like fucking royalty and and do it yeah. up real nice once a year and I always go see it, but it's not. I think in all honesty, it's not like my favorite Hitchcock movie. I just love it. And I don't know mm-hmm. that I would love it that much without living in, having lived in San Francisco for so long. Hmm. Um, it, it is nice because it does use the location gorgeously and mm-hmm. is actually like geographically accurate. Like yep. if he's he's following a car and he takes a left and he takes a right and then he ends up at this building, That that's real. They really did it. You can go refollow those those same paths unlike and if it's I, like if, it looks the same except the trees are taller if Holy i fuck. if i may lament again 
unlike Venom driving to work. Uh, Tom Hardy <laughs> drives across around the entire bay from the ocean to the bay to get to work. It makes no sense. Or, uh, as I recall, Four Christmases. Four Christmases. Or some also issues <laughs> at that one. <laughs> right. Exactly. Uh, they leave from, uh, like, Knob Hill going north to the Golden Gate Bridge to get to SFO, which is due south. Right. <laughs> uh, the Searchers, which is a movie I would not oh recommend. God. No? I, I, well, I never saw it growing up, so I watch it now, and, like, this whole movie is, like, just founded on racism and xenophobia. Mm. And Yeah, but it's also sort of commenting on it. Very and little. And if John Wayne well, knew that, he wouldn't have been in it. <laughs> that's probably a fair point. Well, maybe he was confused. I don't know. I mean, the whole thing is it's about his it's about his obsession with, you know, saving his niece from the Indians. She's been kidnapped by the Indians. And at first he's like, we got to go save her. And then it seems to be like, oh, no, we got to go kill her. Wow. I thought we weren't talking about good movies. On the Waterfront. Fantastic film. Yep. Uh, Sing in the Rain uh, might be my favorite musical. Really good. Mm-hmm. Really excellent. Definitely. High Noon. It's. I have westerns kind of I like more, but this is one of the best examples of westerns and a really great look at into the blacklist of the 1950s because it's a movie about cowardice mm-hmm. and it's it's beautiful to watch. I try and watch it once a year. Sunset Boulevard is fucking amazing and is Diana the movie and it, <laughs> and it is it's such a wonderful masturbatory look at at Hollywood culture and in just a wonderful way. Is it Gloria Swanson? Yeah. Yeah, but but herself a former movie star playing a former movie star who's slowly going insane. It's mm. it's yeah. it's really fun. I have not seen or even really heard, I don't even know what Best Years of Our Lives is. Oh, Best Years of Our Lives is a killer movie about dealing with PTSD coming back from World War II and is made right after World War II and it's almost like before the culture just agreed like let's never talk about that again we saw shit let's all just drink and beat our kids oh, or something was that beaten by one of the guys from 5 came home yeah yeah that was the first movie you made yeah okay um, yeah and it is fantastic uh, Casablanca. I, I, I always feel like I shouldn't have to tell you this movie is good, but it's right. better than you think it is. It is, it is yep. absolutely phenomenal. It is one of the most mature movies I've ever seen. So, but it, it's it's never boring. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's it has one of the. It's it's always shown having this like highly romantic ending, but ends on this beautiful bummer that I, <laughs> I, I love so fucking much. Mm-hmm. And 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 no one, if you've seen his speech, you don't know what Humphrey Bogart is saying. Speaking of Bogart, Maltese Falcon, I feel like I always envision I will disarm an armed man the same way Humphrey Bogart does by using a man's own jacket, Mm -hmm. and I will get shot (laughs) trying to do that. But he does it twice in the film, and it's hilarious. All you need is a good guy with a jacket. (laughs) 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 Grapes of Wrath, uh, have not seen. Oh, beautiful. Uh, It's it's one of those things where it's like, I don't know if you can adapt this. This is one of the great American novels, and goddammit, they did it. Wizard of Oz, never seen it, Duh. never heard of it. Um, Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, a wonderful, wonderful Jimmy Stewart performance, but so not even my favorite movie of his. And mm. it's very weird making the filibuster a star, even though now I wish it was dead. Uh, Gone with the Wind, <laughs> I don't know if I'll ever watch again, to be honest. Nah. I have complicated feelings about it. I think it's a great movie that's racist as fuck, mm-hmm. but it's also less racist than the time it was made. Yeah, that makes sense. That's good. It's no, also that's, just a massive undertaking that's impressive just on the scale of it. It has things that still strike you as beautiful. How did they do that? Mm-hmm. Why did mm. they go to that trouble to do that it, it, in the film? But it is four hours. And also, it's yeah. one of those movies, too, where someone if someone tells me that's their favorite movie, <laughs> <laughs> I 
feel like that says a lot about them. If someone tells you Gone with the Wind is their favorite movie, look down and see their deathbed. <laughs> in, <laughs> uh, Snow White, I'm assuming the Walt Disney version. Um, of course. Always fun watch for me. Mm-hmm. Um, just probably like my 30th favorite Disney animated film, though. Modern Times, infinitely rewatchable. Wonderful Charlie Chaplin movie. I don't know what the crowd is. Uh, that's a silent. It's a late silent, um, but it's very good. Don't know what Sunrise that's one is. Of, that's, uh, sunrise is also a silent that's, oh, my dog's upset about it. He's like, no, no Sunrise. I hate it. <laughs> um, it's a very artsy, but really interesting and weird silent. It's the sequel to Before Sunrise. Yes. Okay. Right. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, no, it's like, it's just, it's, it's odd and arty and pushing the medium forward. So it's one of those movies where it's like, it's good, but it's also important. Okay. So, yeah. Well, important to me is Modern Times and The General, which Fuck yeah. are very, very easy choices for like, if you had to recommend a silent film to someone who's never seen one, like these are, they're both nonstop entertaining and would inform cartoons for years to come. As yes. people go to, a, as Buster Keaton and Charlie Chaplin go to elaborate means to perform death-defying stunts that we would find out later, yes, are better suited for cartoon rabbits so mm-hmm. they don't. <laughs> Literally break their neck on screen for your entertainment, which Buster Keaton did. Uh, don't know what the learning tree is, but if it has anything to do with Shel Silverstein, I'm down. Mm-hmm. Not really. No, it's a Gordon Parks movie about kind of growing up. I think it's – I'm pretty sure it's the only one on this list I have not seen yet. And it, I have made it my mission to watch every National Film Registry edition. And that's more than 500 of them now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, I'm like 70% of the way there. I'm pr- I've done a pretty good job. But it's, it's not I, as hard. The learning tree, I have not gotten to. Not to take anything away from you, it's just not that hard because they pick movies most people have seen mm-hmm. usually, unless they go way, way back. Well, no, but then they also they pick stuff that's like it's this is important, and so it's like mm. a documentary that I've never heard of that like no one's ever seen, but it's like it's important because it really captures what it look what South Central looked like in like the twenties, and you're like. I I should ask, what is the purpose of the National Film Registry? Yeah, that's a good question. I always thought it it, it would be a place where I could go watch these movies that are culturally important to our country for free, but it's not. Uh, I mean, I guess it's sort of his. Maybe you can go. I think you can go and see. The the idea is that, like, these are important cultural artifacts of America, goddammit, and that, like, they need to be preserved outside of trusting movie theaters to do it, pretty much. So like, like, this, like a, this is part of America. It's like we should. It's like having these in the Smithsonian, but not. It's Library of Congress, so we all own it. A literal time capsule. Uh, Intolerance. Yep. Watch D.W. Griffith apologize for uh, his national scarring of making the first movie about the Klan. Yeah, uh, more again, more important than good. Yes, unless you really, really want to see what downtown L.A. has based its architecture on. Hmm. And yep. Citizen Kane, a movie I've never heard of. So. Uh, who? Fantastic film. Who? Uh, who? I thought we were going to talk about movies for very long. Look what we just did. How did you squeeze in every good movie into 1999, <laughs> September 20th through the 26th? Uh, yeah, I guess the rest of them. Uh, so, th- but there's a, some weird ones. We got some weird ones weird, for 89. Yeah. There are weirdly a lot of movies in 1989, including one I'm still kicking myself for not seeing because it's always come recommended to me, Society. Mm-hmm. This sorry this, to differentiate from what we just did. This movie came out this week. Good. Wasn't inducted yeah, into the National important. Film Registry. Society <laughs> should be in the National Film Registry. For Bill Whitney, I've never been paranoid. Fear plays a large part in family life. I feel like something's going to happen, and if I scratch the surface, there'll be something terrible underneath. He's afraid his sister. Could you zip me up, Billy? 
is not what she seems. God, Bill, what's the matter with you? He thinks his friends are out to get him. Make waves with me. You're going to drown. People are what they are. Now you have to learn to accept that. He's about to find out the truth. <laughs> so why, why are you guys doing this to me, huh? Boy. <laughs> so, Ooh, uh, society. Uh, a wonderfully high concept horror, horror movie, sort mm -hmm. of. I don't know. Can, mm -hmm. Diana, can you describe it a little better? Uh, I mean, it's a paranoid thriller slash uh, satire mm -hmm. slash sci-fi film uh, from Brian Yizna. I, I don't know. I never know if I'm saying that right. Um, who also did Reanimator and From Beyond. And it's weirdly going back to uh, Rosemary's Baby that I feel like we talked about pretty recently with like Astronaut's Wife. It's sort of like that. And it's like, everyone around me is crazy, but I don't know who's out to get me, but someone's out to get me. Like something's mm. wrong with my family. Something's mm -hmm. wrong with all my friends. It's really weird. Ooh. And turns out, I mean, a little bit of a spoiler, but they kind of tell you right up front that it's like, oh, basically the upper class is eating the lower class. <laughs> Because oh. they're monsters. Huh. I can't think of any parallels. Yeah. Speaking of the upper class eating the lower class, uh, a dry white yeah. season. Uh, is, <laughs> I hope that's about the exact same thing. Uh, In a way, yeah. Yeah, it is, because it's an apartheid drama. Holy shit. Ooh. All right. I was going to skip over this, but uh, Donald Sutherland, Janet Susman, Marlon Brando, and Susan Sarandon, a dry white season. In a world riddled with fear. There's a line you should not cross. How much will one man risk? Out of it. So stay out of it. To expose the lies. His jaw broken. His nose broken. His cheekbone crushed. He must have hit the bars when he tried to jump out of his window. You don't need traitors here. I will be <laughs> Sorry, we were watching the trailer and Donald Sutton just like backhanded a, like a really old man. Yes, but kind of gently as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never hit anybody like that, but it looks fun. Yeah. But and I should like take more of a note. Marlon Brando's in a movie. We've never, yeah. ever talked about Marlon yeah. Brando being in a movie in the history of four years of this show. Yep. Never. Well, I'm not a Dr. Moreau. But <laughs> oh, God. Oh, damn it. Why'd you remind me? But, but he must have, I have to imagine, knowing... He probably cared about this cause uh, enough yeah. to mm -hmm. want to be in the movie. Yeah, uh, exactly. And he's actually putting in a performance, and he gets an Oscar nomination out of it. No. He's actually oh. sort of trying. My God, later Brando actually trying. It's amazing. Do we know so, who, he, who he sent to pick up his Oscar in case he won? Because I guarantee he didn't show up. <laughs> well, he didn't win. It would have been great if it was Sashin Littlefeather again. Everyone was like, oh, no. <laughs> Ah, oh, come on! She just dressed the same, and it was ah oh, shit. Apologies, I've uh, never, I've never heard of this movie. No, uh, it's it's okay-ish. Um, I feel like I might have read the book, but it, it's an apartheid drama. Um, where Donald Sutherland, you know, is a white guy in South Africa, and uh, his gardener, his gardener's son, I think, both get like disappeared by the government and like won't say what they did with them because they were involved in a protest. And then there's like a big legal case, and Marlon Brando's his lawyer. And I mean, it's just when like apartheid was starting to be reformed and kind of fallen apart. So the South African government was kind of freaking out. Hmm. They're like, this is going to just rile everyone up and make things worse. And everyone was like, and so anyway, so a movie I did, I did see because I didn't have HBO as a kid. That'll be a common thread if you're listening to the show for the first time. But the people who the kids who did really loved Terry Jones and Tim Robbins and Eric the Viking. 
Is it a Terry really? Jones movie? It it's, is. It's it's a very silly cartoony movie, but it also is an ugly, yeah. <laughs> ugly British pal movie huh. uh, that's that's difficult to rewatch. But it is it is very silly and and very kid kid friendly for the time, and it was pretty out there, including a lot of farting and boobs. Oh. Um, Eric the Viking. From the pages of history, the missing chapter. Eric the Viking. Oh, scary, scary. Don't we look mean? <laughs> what is going on? A time when civilization was less civilized. Throw down your weapons or we kill the children. Well, now we'll kill the children anyway. Dating was dangerous. Have you done this sort of thing before? Me, of course. I've been looting and pillaging up and down the coast. And peace looked a lot like war. There is another way! Who gets killed? We'll be dangerous. Eric and the men of Ravensfield. Yes, a, a very, very Britishy, silly Monty Python esque movie from the people who are Monty Python. I probably will pass on that. And yeah. it's from some of them. Now, society that one at least has a cult following, mm-hmm. and I understand it. This one hasn't even quite made it to cult following, <laughs> even compared to like Baron Munchausen, which I think is the best thing to compare it to. Right. That we talked about a while ago. Mm-hmm. It's another Monty Python. Mm-hmm. Vaguely, and at least is interesting. I want to compare this it to Hudsucker sort of... Proxy because I really, really like Tim Robbins being silly. Mm-hmm. I really like that, yeah. and he rarely ever yeah. does it. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and a movie I've seen but I've forgotten about because it's barely a real movie. I think yeah. we brought it up on a Laser Time episode called "Still Not on DVD." One of the the billion things that is hard to find from Penn and Teller. Penn and Teller get killed mm. is the name of this yep. film. Spoiler: they, I... they do not. I don't have a trailer because it is 100% visual because it's like, oh, well, these guys are popular and they're funny. We could build a movie around them that sort of has a plot, question mark. And it's really it's just a series of pranks and bits that they're doing on each other. Mm. Yeah. And it's 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 to me, it's really interesting because I do disappear occasionally into Penn and Teller uh, fool us clips because I do Mm -hmm. love traditional magic. But like something about filming that like a movie takes away from the entire fucking tricks and prank. Like, yeah. if you cut to a different, ang- even to a different angle, right. you're taking away from the realism of the match. Yeah. Uh, and it is one of the the billion weird things that Penn and Teller got themselves involved in, including a game where you drive in real time from Las Vegas to California. Um, right. And Can you win? Uh, Nothing. Also, <laughs> Penn and Teller get killed. The weirdest things. I believe this is the last film of Arthur Penn. Mm-hmm. No relation. Uh, who directed, oh, I don't know, Bonnie and Clyde. Wow. Wow. Like, what? Why are you... Why? Okay. That's... Uh, I, here's a movie I am embarrassed to say I have not seen. Oh. Mm. Oh. Uh, Laura Sangiacomo, uh, Peter Gallagher, Andy McDowell, and James Spader in Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Who's Donna? Are you having an affair? I have a late lunch by myself. I'm not fucking somebody. Why do these... Tapes all have women's names on them. Did you make one of these goddamn videotapes? <laughs> Sex lies and videotape. Uh, I didn't think it'd be as literal. I thought I remember trying to watch this for something to jerk to before I could really do that, just because mm-hmm. its title was alluring <laughs> and, right. and finding right. nothing. It's not really like that. No. Nope. And that's the only time I can remember trying to watch this. Yeah. But it is an important... Wait, who directed this film? This is Steven Soderbergh. Right. This is his debut. His debut film. 
And it was much, I, I, maybe it was just the title was so alluring, but I felt like people talked about this for years oh, afterwards. Yes. Well, there's a couple reasons. I mean, first of all, it wins the Palm Door in Cannes, which is pretty cool. Uh, it is also in the National Film Registry now. Um, but this is sort of the breaking of indie film heading into the 90s. This Fun. is one of Miramax's huh. first big hits. This becomes this giant hit that's like it's an independent film but the word of mouth on it is so good and it's doing something different edgy and interesting even though different edgy and interesting is pretty much just people talking mm -hmm. it's not like it's got super graphic violence or super graphic nudity or it's not pushing limits it's pushing like emotional limits well that's what that makes make it edgy sense? yeah mm -hmm. that's edgy for that time yep it's so it's about uh, Peter Gallagher and Andy McDowell are a married couple. Peter Gallagher is fucking her sister on the side and his friend James Spader, <sighs> beginning his long career of playing weird people, <laughs> creeps, rolls into town. And his thing is he likes to interview women while talking to them about sex and stuff. Mm -hmm. But and you just there's a lot of like, Filthy. why <laughs> is he just like, is he just a voyeur? Does he like film himself having sex with them? No. Is he nope. about to create the bang bus? What's about to happen? Ladies nope. aren't going to laugh at them. He just wants to hear them talking about it. Mm. Which is yep. like, I feel like this movie is like super important because it's referenced so much mm -hmm. too. Like I feel like even mm. now, I just saw something on Twitter where like the promo for the new season of River Riverdale. Riverdale. River, Riverdale. Rivendale's in, uh, in, in Middle Earth. <laughs> Riverdale. I like I second guess myself halfway through that word and then <laughs> just lost all my confidence. Riverdale is like the poster for it is like sex lies and videotape. Mm -hmm. Is anyone who watches this show, do they know what this is, what it's referring Were to? They but born? Probably no. not. No. But have you seen that show? It might be going for that vibe. I, it's I it's totally very strange. I think it is. Yeah. It's 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 wonderful that the people who own Archie are the sons and daughter of the founders hate one another and can't be in the same room and will allow anything to happen to those characters and properties. I mean, yeah. And <laughs> and I, the only reason I'm not watching more Riverdale is because there's too much shit to watch and I'm not investing in any Archie shit. But the stuff I did like. Holy shit, this is great. I, it's one of those shows where I wish I had, I could like split off and be able to watch it. But anyway. If I could pause the world, I would watch more Riverdale. Right. But um, even now, I mean, the, I think part of what was revolutionary is having, you know, the idea of being titillated and turned on by women just talking about their sexual experiences without having any... Fabio uh, on the cover. Yeah, and without having mm. any nudity or anything involved with it, and mm. just like hearing women speak frank frankly about their experiences, it's not really something that uh, was part of pop culture for a while. I lied there, and I didn't like yep. it. <laughs> not the women you're having sex with. <laughs> uh, that would be boring. Working my way up. Mm. Uh, for, for the weirdest thing that I have seen recently mm -hmm. is the number one movie at the box office oh, this week. God, mm -hmm. I this had, movie. I had just moved, and for some reason, like I don't want to go install a bunch of apps. What's on this one thing that I have access to? And like Black Rain. What's this about? Michael Douglas goes to Japan. This yes. this is yeah. hilarious. This movie. It is filled with like just bubbling, almost severe racism. Mm -hmm. What would you call it? Japanic. <laughs> yeah yeah but uh it, it's it's 80s as shit beautiful to look at it's all it's not great 80s to be made in 89 yeah honestly. yeah 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 right 
It feels more like 86. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's made by Ridley Scott. There is random fog everywhere. Oh, just so anywhere funny. you go, there's just smoke. So that was because I'm like, because I'm assuming you're shooting. It, smoke. I'm shoot. I'm assuming you're shooting in Japan, but there's so much fucking fog here. This could be anywhere. I, I, <laughs> I know you shot other things in Japan. Mm-hmm. Where, why would you do this to your set? Uh, but this movie is ridiculous. If you like yeah. Michael Jackson, uh, Michael Douglas, <laughs> which Sarah does, which I do very much, yeah. maybe you'll enjoy him on a motorcycle uh, with a leather jacket. Why not? Chasing after a fugitive he's bringing back uh, from the states. Yes, I believe mm-hmm. this is one of the first movies Sam and I watched together. Oh, because the, that is super. Because that is the funny thing that happens we, immediately. He doesn't speak Japanese, but has to escort this prisoner, like who's getting deported back to Japan, like literally. Get to the edge of the plane, get back on the plane, fly back to America. And the first Japanese people is like, we're here for your guys. Like, okay, I don't speak your language and can't read the forms you're giving me. And they just give them to him. And it was the, it's the mob just coming to take him because mm-hmm. he's an idiot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's full of cocaine. And it's and... like, wow, I didn't – yeah, you could probably totally do that to this day. To this day, you could show up and like, uh, yeah, yeah, where, where, where are the people you give the sure. guy to? Um, look at our uniforms. Yeah, look at our, look at our suits. Look, look yeah. At, <laughs> but this it is also uh, like – Makes Japan seem way too skeevy and scary. Mm. Black Rain, everyone. Number oh, one yeah. this week. Japan, a place of beauty and mystery, where order is revered, where tradition is sacred. For one New York cop, it was the last place on earth he wanted to be. You are civilians here. It is illegal for you to carry a gun. Was the last man on earth they wanted there. You remember me, don't you? I only want to talk to man. I see there's a war going on. I remember watching this and, like, I have never, ever seen Mrs. Spielberg, Kate Capshaw mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. anything serious. Like, I don't know what she did before she quit acting to be a full time wife mm-hmm. and mother, mm-hmm. but, like, uh, she's fucking gorgeous and. Like, oh, yeah. like I don't know. I just I, I can't think of another Kate Capshaw movie. I really can't. She made some melodramas, I think, in the nineties. Mm-hmm. She did some Nicholas Sparksy type, I think. Uh, don't know. And it's it's crazy. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend this movie in the slightest. And, oh no, it's not good. No. I mean, it didn't even satisfy like my enormous hard on for all things Japan. Like I love, yeah. I love things shot in, in Japan. I. I really do, and I did not care for it's it. It's less erotic than I would want it to be for a Michael Douglas <laughs> film. <laughs> he seduces no one. Yeah, and he's just kind of over there just being the ugly American, just kind of being an asshole to everyone for his mistake that he made. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they just, they, I, they hit practically every stereotype. I love that there's like a biker gang who have swords, I think, because like a, why not? A good decapitation scene. Uh, it's so it's so annoying because we talked about earlier this year. There's another movie about Japan called Black Rain from 1989 that is fantastic. What? That is not this movie. <laughs> That's right. I forgot about that. And so we're kind it? of fucked for googling now. If you find the black and white one, go watch that one. That was great. Oh yeah. This Good. is silly. Very silly. Well, moving into television, 1989, September 20th to the 26th. Right. Uh, Let's do it, do it. Shit's about to get crazy because way too many notable shows. But what? Hardball debuts? Hardball. 
Not the not the Chris Matthews hardball. <laughs> this week President Trump did all this stuff. I can't even fucking talk about it. Just fucking so, somebody give me a quail. They're gonna cop that right now. <laughs> Finish a word, Chris. But yeah, I pulled the opening song because it's is it pretty this is the great. show? Yeah, this is a show. It's a young cop and an old cop oh, get so it's not partnered up together. Right. Um, and I pulled the opening song because it's great. Okay, fingers crossed for saxophone. It's got a Lorenzo Lamas looking motherfucker and, and Marvin from Midnight Run. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I can get behind this. It this only got stupid. one season. But also, I wanted to highlight the opening because it's by Eddie Money. Rest in peace. Oh, R.I.P. Yeah. He wrote it and he's singing it. I don't know anything about Eddie Money. And it's one of those times where I felt disconnected from the world because a few people on my Facebook spelled his name with one dollar sign. So I wake up and just like really sad about dollar sign. Like me too, man. I'm sad about money too. <laughs> me too. I know what the kids are saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're all sad about yeah, money. Yeah, the children right now. are really upset about. Anybody. Yeah, I got all these unopened letters the from the long, IRS. For the longest time, I uh, would always get him confused with um, Huey Lewis. Yeah, don't know. I was. Yeah, they kind of have a same vibe. Yeah. Also, I should say, R.I.P. Rick Ocasek. Right after we made fun oh, of him, I know for marrying Paulina Poroskova, that lucky son of a bitch. Uh, we just lost him, and yeah. I felt so awful. It's why you got. No, we cursed him. It's why I, t- since uh, having edited so many of these, I am constantly careful with the shit I say about people because. Well, and as time goes on, you're. It's gonna be riskier and riskier. I, let's be honest. I won't even call the person out who did it, but like there was. Who numerous people like just this this week harmless harmless call out on Robin Williams by the time I was editing the show a tragedy occurred and you would never be able to say those sentences again mm-hmm. and it was totally harmless right before that so I'm always yeah I I do not throw celebs under the bus that much doing this job anymore mm. um, on the 22nd of September I I wish I wasn't so excited to play the theme song here or the promo because this was so fucking exciting yeah if you were a little kid Mm -hmm. just i again i hate having to bring people back to a world it wasn't a better world i'm glad we live in the one we do now but having like where there wasn't a single there wasn't a source for kids to watch anything you just had to like take these plateaus of things for kids that you'd get about three times a week Mm -hmm. lucky if you had a channel that you had enough over-the-air channels that would play kid stuff in the afternoon, which we didn't really live in the Batman 60s series. But on the weekends in primetime, you had nothing. Mm-hmm. Nickelodeon yeah. went off the air. Like, <laughs> there's no internet. Cartoon Network doesn't exist until, holy Lord, a new block launches on a- ABC. Ladies and gentlemen, TGIF. Tomorrow, you'll say TGIF when Full House is their season premiere, Lost in Paradise. The plane, the plane. Then the comedy's family-sized. I told your mama she can move in with us. The premiere of Family Matters. Make way for the hottest guys on wheels, the season premiere of Perfect Strangers. Fall under the spell of the cutest. Witch on television, a sneak preview of Free Spirit. The new season begins for Full House. That fr- Free Spirit, that's right. the one we're here to talk about. Sure. Uh... Just, <laughs> it would just it premiered with Free Spirit as being the eight thirty or nine thirty slot. I mean, I was Central Time growing up, so it was always eight thirty for ah. me um, spot, and then eventually transitioned into uh, 
just the ten of us. Yeah, so Full that House, Full House, and Perfect Strangers already pretty kid friendly shows as far yeah. as ABC sitcoms go. Get moved over here. Family Matters introduced. No Urkel yet. You gotta, you gotta wait. Mm-hmm. You gotta wait for Urkel. Uh, and uh, just the ten of us, I think, eventually becomes part of the block. Which yeah. mm-hmm. it just felt like I just I associate it with like sleeping on a friend's floor mm-hmm. and you hear this theme song. It's Friday night, <laughs> and the mood is right. right. Have some fun showing how it's done. Hello. Stupidly, stupidly excited yeah. to hear that theme song because it just like it, unless your parents were like renting movies for you, there was nothing to watch on television. Mm-hmm. It, it, yeah. Getting a Nintendo in 1988 was a godsend because like kids could use their television after eight o'clock. It was so exciting. I mean, I remember having, and this was like a little bit before my time, this era, but once we get later into the 90s, mm-hmm. that lineup, I just have the best memories of coming home on Friday nights, hanging out with my parents, mm-hmm. which is generally what I was doing, um, but we would always order Pizza Hut pizza mm-hmm. and then uh, <laughs> watch, I would usually watch the shows by myself because my parents would usually rent a movie that was a grown-up movie that they wanted to watch and then I could just hang out in my room didn't have to do homework. Didn't have to do the compulsory reading of books that my parents assigned to me. Don't come in more watching Black Rain, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and eat my uh, cheese pizza. Usually my free personal pan pizza that I got for reading my books during the week for Book It. <laughs> I was such – my parents hated going out to dinner and only only taken out for Book It. So when pizza had introduced the kids' night free, my – all right, I guess we can go out to dinner every once in a while if we don't have to pay for it. Yeah. Fucking, Cheap O's, but uh, we. This is a weird thirty twenty ten bookend because I think this this year earlier a few months ago we talked about the end of Family Matters, right? Steve Urkel mm-hmm. proposing to Laura, right? And they didn't get another season. Uh, this is a very different show, Family Matters, right? At, at this point. Oh yes. We brought this up in like one of the first episodes of Laser Time because this this theme song is like a little more morose. <laughs> to read any good news. On the newspaper. Is there, it's just the lyric. Like, what is it? There must be something beautiful inside these tears of woe. I'm like, <laughs> is Urkel about to come out? Because Yikes. this theme song is real depressing. But yeah. like, uh, like a monumental black sitcom. Yes. In a, in a, when that wasn't yeah. really, ha- we're we're, t- we're talking about society. Did we just talk about like, the Robert Guillaume show? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. depicting the first interracial couple getting canceled immediately. But you have. Where you put that, like that's about it. And well, and this was actually a spinoff of Perfect Strangers, right? Which I did not Uh realize, but Harriet Winslow, the mom, she was like a regular, reoccurring character on Perfect Strangers. That's so weird. Yeah, it got spun off, and then went on for nine seasons. Nine seasons. That's unbelievable. Seinfeld numbers, baby. Yeah, that's crazy. But yeah, I watched the shit out of it. That was a staple (laughs) in my TGIF I I couldn't get enough of it. It, I I don't know why. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, If you want to listen to our Child's Play Patreon episode, patreon.com slash laser time. For some reason, we talk a lot about my talking Urkel doll. I don't know why he had to tell me he loved (laughs) me. Because he tried to kill people. Those episodes with the Urkel dummy, Mm. they were frightening. I still remember those. Yeah, all, all the things that people, I remember like 10 years ago, People would lament, Family Matters is stupid. It's so many stupid episodes. Now, like, if those were to come on TV and I can just see St- Stefan or Kel one more time, like, I'll sit and watch this whole fucking thing. Yeah. 
Uh, well, and I mean, TJF, I loved so much because you got, they did interstitials where, you know, the mm-hmm. main cast members of the shows would kind of just rotate out every week and do the little interstitials between all the shows. I loved the theme day, like the, the theme weeks were basically, it was all Halloween episodes. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they would have crossovers and that was very exciting. I remember being excited. They one time had a... Um, we're just going to air the first episodes of all these shows that are in like their sixth yeah. season in a time before DVD oh. or syndication. Like that was I'm, cool. I'm never able to intentionally do that. That for was sure. a really neat thing to do. Yeah. And TGIF went on for a long time. I mean, well, it went on for 10 years. The final season was the 99, 2000 season. Mm-hmm. And that was the last official season of TGIF. They brought it back again, I think in the early aughts, but it was not mm-hmm. very long lived. Uh, but ABC. Well, is, they credit as the first network TV block in right. prime time. Yeah. I mean, before must see TV. And ABC has kind of been trying to capitalize that for a while on that still, even I mean, now. It, the it, idea of making these th- thematic blocks. It for lives people. on now, for now. Mm-hmm. And Hulu, because Hulu created like a whole landing page and like oh. to try and recreate the TGIF experience. Cool. And, uh, hmm. you know, once like the 18 new streaming services launch, I'm sure we'll lose that entirely. Right. Uh, but yeah, T- <laughs> their sequel in the early 90s, you, you see MCTV. More no. cool TV. No. Like, we're going to, in Saturday night, baby. Uh. Like, sorry, I got an appointment with Snick. I got yeah. no time for this. Well, just most recently, ABC launched TGIT. Thank God. Uh. Thank goodness. Always wanted to make sure that we were very clear. We're saying thank goodness, not thank God. Why you got to take Jesus out of your life? Why you got to do that? Mm. That is ABC's choice. <laughs> I would make other choices, but you know, but yeah, to uh, drive the whole Shonda Rhimes Thursday night block with uh, how uh, to get away with murder and Grey's Anatomy. Thank goodness it's torture. No, Pretty much. Mm. It's scandal. A lot of, lot of torture on that one. Oh boy. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still, I'm confused even further because everyone's heard of this show and I'm sure none of us are fans, but uh, it deb- debuts on NBC, I'm guessing this week. One of oh, what the the next show? The Actually, next we show. skipped over one, and also I've said nothing about TGIF. Oh, my bad. I, I hated it. <laughs> Why? <laughs> because uh, I've always been a weird, snotty kid, and just realized these shows are the lowest common denominator, and they are for babbies. Yeah, but there would have been another lowest common denominator show here anyway. It's yep. it was ABC. I know these. This is all. Most of this was programming they were already going to run. It just, but just theming it together and making it seem, I don't know, like like an experience. Right. I gotta, I gotta tip my yeah. hat too. And I think if we, I don't know, did we say that well, any no, of these shows were good? No, no. <laughs> no, I think they're all super hard to revisit. No, I think it is. It was pretty brilliant to brand it that way, and like like you said, because like there's nothing really on that kids could watch, but I get, arguably the parents could watch these too. But just because they're so simple and comforting well, and not very challenging. That they're perfect for kids. It is perfect. And it's also a perfect way for parents to uh, rent their own movie, a sex lies and videotape, if you will, and then know that their kid is going to be occupied for two hours. Yeah. Uh The trade-off being all the commercials that they'll be watching and asking for (laughs) whatever they were advertising at that point. Yeah. But Can I get the burger that keeps the hot side hot and the cold side cold? What's that? <laughs> the, I don't know. The McBLT? What was that thing? Oh. Yeah. Stupid McDonald's it, promotion? 
Yep. Yeah. Yep. The, it was back when they came in styrofoam containers. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we've done to this planet, my God. Everything was better back then. No. <laughs> no. No, it really, really wasn't. No, it wasn't. Because, um, yeah, oh, no, we blew past the young riders, which I just wanted to throw out as them riders. saying like, oh, hey, look, uh, Young Guns was a movie and people liked it. We got horses. And it's like, shit, is this the last time there was a Western on network TV? Mm. No, Briscoe can. Uh, <laughs> Bruce Campbell. Nah, what syndicated. is it? Bruce Jr.? That's indicated. No way. It was yeah. Fox because I had the poster because I won it at the county fair. Oh. <laughs> it said it at the bottom. All right. <laughs> All right. Yeah, got me. All right. <laughs> Looked yeah. at that man every day knowing nothing about Evil Dead. Yeah, the uh, young writers <laughs> went on for three seasons what? starring yeah. Stephen Baldwin. And the Josh best Baldwin? Brolin and Josh Brolin. Barbara Streisand's stepson. Yep. And it was all about the these young kids who are Pony Express writers. Wow, Deliver and mail. <laughs> Not for me. Uh, no, it sounds hot, so shut up. All right, all right. You ladies <laughs> and your fucking horses. Too dusty. Too, <laughs> Too dusty. dusty for me. Um, yeah, I prefer this scene, uh, the premiere of, on a worldwide level, one of the most watched shows ever. Absolutely. That makes this a big week, just the debut and I, I've, Should we just play the theme song before we say what it is? I don't sure. even want to say it. I just want to play the song. It's very good. Well, the theme song is basically shaming anyone who's not a lifeguard. <laughs> Some people have the guts to do this every week. Um, uh, and, and, like an unabashedly silly show. Yeah. Uh, deeply, deeply stupid. We're talking about and Baywatch, the most popular y'all. show in the world, Baywatch. Yep. That, But it gets its first season on NBC. Is that what's happening? And it, then yeah. it goes syndicated. Because I remember, you know, watching this before you could, you know, get porn on your phone. And uh, yep. as, a, as a young teenager at Again. like three in the afternoon on a Sunday, mm-hmm. but it premieres yeah. in primetime on, on NBC. And I don't know who had, I, I think it was Hasselhoff who like kind of hitched his horse to this thing mm-hmm. and like was an executive producer and like, no, I think this has more life in it. NBC doesn't want it. We'll make it syndicated. Well, we covered mm-hmm. the, you know, the world's introduction to Baywatch mm-hmm. a couple months ago, which was the movie. Mm-hmm. It was a television movie. Right. And then... I guess the whole world was teased for a couple of months until the premiere. Yes. And leading up to the movie, which proves that The Rock can't rescue everything. Oof, uh, that movie. <laughs> is not good. It's grim. And uh, this, I'm so excited about whatever the fuck Nasty Boys is. Nasty Boys. Nasty Boys. We didn't even say, Baywatch went 11 seasons and 242 yes. episodes. That's right. And the premiere yeah, of slow motion bikini running. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and a little bit of hairy chest from Mr. Hassel. And hairy chest and, and some drama. You know, maybe someone got pushed around under the boardwalk. Or maybe, oh, I have a new girlfriend. Oh, no, she has cancer. Oh, she's gone by the end of the episode. No problems. Well, the premiere episode involves uh, the death of a windjammer by a gang <laughs> oh, no. of jet ski hooligans. <gasps> oh, God. They're no. back? Yes. Ugh. Yeah, Uh, and that always reminds me. David Hasselhoff is the only person I've ever interviewed in my life who said, "In all sincerity, that's a stupid question." Uh, (laughs) You know what? Respect. It was like a week after his eating Wendy's on the floor tape, and I'm not sure. I I will never be sure. I forget. I don't even know that I asked it, but uh, but I was involved in the interview, and we kept him for way too long, and he got very grumpy. 
Well, <laughs> you know, we've all been there. And he mm. kept he kept not saying he was drunk, but he did keep repeating things, and we didn't know what he was talking about. He's probably hungover. Mm. And mm. but moving on to nasty boys because there's so much TV. <laughs> goddamn it, oh, uh, Benjamin Bratt of Blood and Blood Out fame. Uh, <laughs> A television NBC television movie called Nasty Boys, which. Well, you can play the promo. Ooh. Monday. We'll be back. Nasty Boys. These boys are good. Based on real cops. Good and nasty. In a real life drug <laughs> war. Based on a Las Vegas police unit, I, I believe. Yeah, they're basically ninja cops. Nice. Where <laughs> they're, it's like an elite group Finally. of cops that fly under the radar. Not even the lieutenant knows that this like squad exists. And but allegedly based on a real thing. We did yeah. cover this somewhere because it became well, a show. Well, it becomes a show, right. And, With mm-hmm. Benjamin Bratt still, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. In oh. 1990. Also this week, holy shit, the Golden Girls sick and tired. Oh yeah, I didn't pull a clip from this, but it was a it's a really great episode that I just wanted to talk about for a second because in it, uh, Dorothy. It's actually a two part episode. Um, this oh. is the first part, but Dorothy is really sick and she can't figure out why, and she goes to see a bunch of doctors. Lyme disease. Oh, close. And she eventually is diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome, mm-hmm. which no. is it's a great episode i didn't pull a clip from it because we had so much else to talk about but there's a really great speech she finds this doctor who basically fully dismisses her and is just like oh you just need therapy or a psychiatrist like Mm -hmm. these aren't real symptoms and then she does finally get a diagnosis she starts to feel better and she sees the doctor who dismissed her in a restaurant and she confronts him about how for not listening to her and i once again golden girls ahead of its time talking about real stuff it was it's still a problem that people especially women face every day in the medical community of being dismissed for symptoms that Mm -hmm. they're just called hysterical or you have mental problems or you just need therapy or you just need to relax or whatever and in reality there's some really serious underlying medical conditions going on and i just love the golden girls so much for addressing this 30 years ago would, when now there are more and more articles coming out about how this is a huge problem affecting women. I would si- sign off on what you're saying if you can prove to me it's not your time of the month. I just want to make <gasps> sure you're in the right frame of mind. How and- <laughs> dare you? Stab him in the neck. I <laughs> Then lecture him like Dorothy. Dorothy going off on people is like my favorite thing. It's so, so good. She's just truly a gift. And yeah, it's just a great episode and a really important issue. And, man, you know who I imagine is super excited this week? Should he be still alive? Hmm. Alec Baldwin's dad. Hmm. Because he's Alec Baldwin's <laughs> doing all right, but he's got two sons with premieres on major network television this true. week. Like, which yeah. one do you watch? Do I watch, do I watch Young Steven and the Young Writers or Little Billy and Laura Flynn Boyle and fucking Danny Aiello in a movie called The Preppy Murder? Yes. An ABC television <laughs> yes. movie based on a true story of... The Preppy Murder, which is uh, where Kel Saprice, a rich white dude, is accused of murdering a young woman, and he blames it on they were just having rough sex that got out of hand. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was. It made the headlines and as a real-life case that no, happened. I didn't know someone that happened yep. to. And, <laughs> sorry. Uh, what? They what? got murdered? You, well, yeah. I mean... You do? Yeah. Know someone? Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> it's not for me to talk to? about. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. yeah. All right. I'm going to need more details on that yeah, after, we, yeah, after, after we walk away from these mics. And maybe you patrons of patreon.com slash mm. lady. No, 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 It's not for me to disclose. Yeah. Oh, Sandra Bullock and Diedrich Bader both have tiny parts in this. Wow. Oh. Yay. Diedrich Bader. Wow. Man. <laughs> Two bald ones at the same time. <laughs> That's what I want to watch this week. Yeah, the preppy murder. I can dig it. Games this week. Uh, I saw a notable game, and I but I couldn't drill down to exactly what was notable about it. Other than like it's 1989, I remember what arcade games were out there. I don't remember seeing any. Pol- I, I remember vector games, mm. games that are a series of super bright lines, but with like, like think you know the Star Wars arc, first Star Wars arcade game. Stun Runner from Atari though is this really kind of gorgeous 39 first. 3D racing game using polygons and running very smoothly. Everything else was a lot of pixels and bits and side-scrolling nonsense. This looks totally different, and I just had to imagine it blew people's mind when it debuted somewhere around this time in September uh, in 1989. Taking us out of 1989, we've got to talk about new music releases. Holy shit, there is a lot of these, and too. there's a lot. Spando Ballet's last album, <laughs> Heart Like a Sky. Uh, Seasons End uh, by Marillion. Marillion? Marillion. Marillion. The Sugar Cube's second album. uh, Here today, tomorrow, next week. Tears for Fears, The Seeds of Love. Deaf, Dumb, and Blonde by Deborah Harry. She changed it from Debbie. She's all grown up. Uh, Big (laughs) Trash by the Thompson Twins. No Holding Back by Randy Travis. And Tempted and (laughs) and Tried by... Steel Eye Span? Am I saying that right? Yes. Uh Not Steely Dan. And, no, no. Okay, but we'll close. Well, taking us out in 1989 is "Girl, I'm Gonna Miss You" by Millie Vanilli. I think their third biggest hit. I don't. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't. This. I can't even think of this song in my mind right now. We'll have to listen to it as we close Let's, out 1989, yep. September 20th to the Number 26th. one, and oh, Millie Vanilli are so talented. Who knew they're gonna be around forever? They really are. I do like a group of models that can dance as if that doesn't make True. up half of popular music now. But we will be right back with 1999, September 20th through the 26th, and it's going to get even bigger and even better, so stay right there. A lot of good things come with aging, but I can't lie, getting older can be a bit of a downer, he says while pointing finger down coyly. Oh yes, 40% of men by the age of 40 struggle from not being able to get and maintain an erection. Happens to a lot of us. I mean you, you, it happens to a lot of you. Okay, look, I don't know why guys turn to weird solutions. Some of us don't have insurance. Some of us are too embarrassed to go to a doctor's office. Uh, but you don't have to, thanks to Hims. And you can try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit by going to forhims.com slash TTT. Don't do what I did. Don't go consult a local witch doctor. It's so much easier now. You can trust science because thanks to science, ED can be optional. And with Hims, you can connect yourself to real licensed doctors and get FDA-approved pharmaceutical products to treat ED. No, no, these are not magic beans. These are well-known generic equivalents to name-brand prescriptions. I can't say here, but you know what they are, Agra. I mean, are. Again, these are real medical solutions proven to work, and it's so easy. Not only do you eliminate having to go to a doctor, you don't have to endure any painful injections or anything like that. Just go to the website, answer a couple questions about your medical history, and you can chat with a real doctor, and they'll give you a confidential review. If you're approved, your product will be shipped directly to your door, and that is simple 
and easy. And as always, I do love this copy. It's erectile without the dysfunction. It's hard made easy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so say hello to your little friend once again and try hymns today by starting out with a free online visit. And to do that, use our URL. Go to forhims.com slash TTT. That's F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash three T's. See you there. Coming into 1999 with TLC's Unpretty. It's a good one. I, I know. It's yep. like, but TLC songs are like usually such bangers. This is like a fucking girl song. It is a girl song. Slow. And yeah. I don't relate to it at all because I have. You mm-hmm. never feel unpretty. Have you seen me? <laughs> <laughs> he says as he picks his guts up over his pants underneath his Disneyland hey. T-shirt. Uh, no, and, the point of the song is it doesn't look matter what it, what you look like on the inside, and if you feel unpretty on the inside then you're going to be unpretty no matter what. Even if you're hot on the outside. Ugh. Yeah, so don't get a boob job because your boyfriend told you to. That's right. Yeah. I think that's the takeaway. What if he asked? <laughs> no. no. Politely offers to pay a quarter. No. <laughs> a quarter of a boob af- job? can't afford a whole boob. <laughs> I'm a podcaster professionally. This is ridiculous. And, uh. and I got to get my butt tucked. Uh, that's more important right now. Uh, I'm going to get a class together. <laughs> Make one great butt cheek. It's, it's going to be phenomenal. That was a nightmare. It's going to be phenomenal. Uh, uh, I think just, you should just get your crack lowered. No, Get my crack lowered? I could do that. I can moon people and it'll just look like a basketball left in the sun. and <laughs> It'll be perfect. Uh, welcome to 1999, everyone. We got new music releases from other people like Melvin Flint, The Hustler by Noriega. John Mayer's debut EP, Inside Wants Out. Boku Fish by Underworld. I don't know anything by Underworld other than Born Slippy from the end of Train Spotting. Uh, yeah. World Coming Down by Typo Negative. Davidus and Back by Tori Amos. Tightrope by Brooks and Dunn. Ooh, Fragile by Nine Inch Nails. That's a great album. Chris uh, Cornell's first solo album, Euphoria Morning, Born to Shine by Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals. Uh, the Ladder by Yes, the X-Ray album by Supergrass, A Love Like Ours by Barbara Streisand, uh, Back at One by Brian McKnight, and Stan and Judy's Kid by Adam Sandler, which includes two songs he made into movies. Whitey was in Eight Crazy Nights and the psychotic legend of Uncle Donnie in That's My Boy. And that's super loose yeah. because I yeah. listened to this album a billion times. I love these albums. Really? My love for Adam Sandler began with his albums, mm-hmm. and I remember I was grounded, and I snuck out of the house in the middle of the day to go see Billy Madison. I was such a big Adam Sandler fan because of SNL, mm-hmm. and uh, and the albums because like in a world without like sending people a link to cool YouTube videos, you could hand someone a CD and like or bring that over to their house. It, yes, if you were taping SNL, you could do the same, but this was different. Music was the, was a currency that mm-hmm. kids could use. And a comedian having a CD was like a f- totally novel concept to me. And Adam Sandler's like the first person I can remember doing it. Uh, so, I, yeah, good on him. Yeah, I because guess. Um, you're young and you don't remember the comedy albums exist? Uh, well, I, Ooh, I, a party album. 
but yeah, this is like yeah. a part. This is like a party album where you could tune in and tune out, mm-hmm. and um, mm-hmm. had characters whose voices you could recreate, such as Whitey, because I think Whitey yeah. was actually in Little Nicky, but played by Dana Carvey. Because huh. it was a very easy voice to do. It just sounds like this. Anybody can do it. Yeah. Just try it. Um, and yeah, Dana Carvey played a, a demonic version in Little Nicky, and Adam Sandler voiced him in Eight Crazy Nights much later. Boom! Out Sandler. Uh, is this the, t- the time oh, no. to plug our, our the Laser Time Community's podcast, Crappy Madison, all about <laughs> revisiting <laughs> crappy Happy Madison productions? Welcome to 1999, everyone. September 20th through uh, the 26th. Oh, these movies. Oh, these movies. <sighs> Let's blow through these movies because we're going to talk about TV like eight times longer yes. than we're going to talk about these movies. And these movies so. are not good. I All right. lined up day one to see this movie where it premiered at the Dollar Theater, one of these films. <gasps> uh, because of two people. Was it Inferno, it a.k.a. Was, Desert Heat? It was not Inferno. But I'm happy okay. I'm happy to know but these three people were in the that. same movie together. Jean-Claude Van Damme, exactly. Pat Morita, and Danny Trejo. Kind of like the yeah, finest, wow. the, the finest Belgium, Mexico, and wherever the fuck Pat Morita's from. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think like San Bernardino. <laughs> <laughs> Have to yeah, offer. Yeah, I mean he's Japanese American, but I'm pretty sure he's born here. Uh, yeah. Anyway, it sounds like a super C minus grade Yojimbo Festival of Dollars type movie, but. I want to see Danny Trejo, Pat Morita, and Jean-Claude Van Damme in the same movie. So I think I'm going to go watch some. So the ne- Just to know it's there. The next movie is the one I, I – day one, I'm like, I have to see it because I loved – I know why. Why? It's because Jason Lee's in it. It is It is that and Martin Short. I was so like ah. wholly on board with it and like, they're in the same movie mm. for four seconds. And by the way, Jason Lee, who like you know, I was also into like skate culture back then. Jason Lee was a professional skateboarder. Mm-hmm. He does the most embarrassing skateboarding – in this, that is clearly the result of not being able to insure himself. It, he is a professional skateboarder who's like, yeah, watch what I do, and then slowly goes down a slight incline twice. <laughs> it, 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 is, it is humiliating. But this movie has a huge, huge, huge cast, not just the people I like. Uh, what about Ted Danson? Ooh, who I'll, him. I'll be happy to talk more about in the next segment. Oh, Zoe yeah. Deschanel, uh, early role from her. Jane Adams, Pruitt Taylor Vince, David Paymer, uh, Mary McDonald, Alfred Woodard. Jason Lee, Hope Davis, and uh, Lauren Dean in the movie fucking Mumford. <laughs> Mumford. You must be Dr. Mumford of Mumford. What kind of doctor are you? PhD, psychologist. Not a real doctor. That's right, the fake kind. How long have you been in this town? Oh, I don't know. Four months, two and a half weeks. And you've already got more patients than those other two shrinks combined. Everyone in Mumford is sharing their secrets with the new psychologist. Feel free to lie down. I better not. I'll fall right to sleep. I don't want... I'm the, I remember seeing this and like, I am so sorry to whoever I dragged to this film. This looks like Ed, the television program, the movie. <laughs> this looks, mm. it, you're right. This reads way more like a TV show. Which I would have been yeah. very into at this time. Because there's too many funny people in here to be used well in a 90-minute comedy. Like, mm. just drag this out over 10 episodes. Yeah, and I, I never, ever would think about this film again if not mm. for Mumford & Sons. Like, mm. I don't know if they named themselves after it. I can't imagine they did. I do mm. love a small-town story, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, this reminds small me a town lot boy of comes home. Gilmore Girls feels right. very similar to that, where, mm-hmm. where you've got a small town where everyone knows each other and everyone's a cast of characters. Oh. Mm-hmm. Exposure, baby. Yep, that's pretty much what this movie is. And you wonder how does that make this ridiculous cast if it's only fine? It's because it's Lawrence Kasdan. It's written and directed by Lawrence Kasdan. Mm. Everybody loves him. Uh, 
Yeah, we also have what David Paymer, James Adams, Jason Ritter. Oh, baby Jason Ritter. We got baby mm-hmm. Elizabeth Moss. We got baby Simon Helberg in here too. Oh, wow. yeah, it's got a ridiculous. I think it might be Zoe Deschanel's debut as well. It's yeah. just, hmm. it's everybody and Lauren Dean, who I I thought was David Boreans. I can't tell them apart <laughs> at all. Ah, uh, I can see that Oof, at and, all. And... I'm pretty sure they're the same person. I remember. I can't remember if I've seen this movie. The next movie. I feel like mm-hmm. I, I feel like when I say I hate life is beautiful. I feel like I might be remembering some scenes from this film. Mm-hmm. I think you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robin yeah. Williams is the day the clown cried. Uh, mm-hmm. Bob Balaban, Hannah Taylor Gordon, Leah Shriver, Alan Arkin, and Robin Williams and Jacob the Liar. In a world where owning a radio was strictly forbidden. One man found a way to bring good news to his people. He made it up. Yes, Churchill addressed the Polish people. In Polish? You want the latest news or don't you? Overnight, a few simple words. The Russians are at Pizanica. Gave them a reason to hope. They're sending tanks. Tanks? Under massive air cover. Did he tell you about the front line? Has he heard anything about the stock market? And an ordinary man. Jacob, I may not be the messiah, but he could be a prophet. Became a leader. My name is Jacob Hyam. The Jacob Hyam? Okay, yes. Oh, boy. This got trounced yeah. by critics. Mm. Oh, oh, my yeah. God. I, I don't remember if I saw it, but I was still like, I, I always had a soft spot for like almost anything Robin Williams did. And mm-hmm. he disappointed me so much all the time. Mm-hmm. All yeah. the time. Uh, but yeah. 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 This is, and it definitely got compared to Life is Beautiful a lot. And that they're both comedies, question mark, about the Holocaust, sort mm-hmm. of. Uh, this one is, yeah, Robin Williams and all these folks are, they're in like, I think it's the Warsaw Ghetto. You know, and everyone's going to get shipped off to concentration camps. And they like, it keeps everyone inspired by pretending he's got a radio news about, no, no, everything's going to be fine soon. And then everything is not fine and it's really sad. And then they like threw in this sort of like, or it could have happened this way kind of ending to like give you a happy ending. Like maybe everything was okay. Maybe everyone didn't die. Oh, yeah. Maybe Alex Jones is right and the Holocaust never happened. And. Yeah, I like how they use the in a world voiceover. <laughs> right. You mean, you mean in a world. our world? Yeah. The world our we live in? One? You mean the past? Just yeah. say the past. Just say the past. <laughs> yeah. Just... It's like I, 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 there's always the, there's the, the concept in here. There's like a good concept, the idea of like, is it better to have hope based on a lie than give up based on the truth? Mm. Okay. Could we maybe not do it about something that's so <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, moving let's, on to the – Let's just not. The number one movie at the box office, I swear to gosh, if you were to tell me that Ashley Judd played the same character in every movie and they were all based on a book series, I would have to believe you because yeah. she always plays <laughs> the same person. Uh, Double Jeopardy. Libby Parsons is in prison for a crime she didn't commit. I'd like you to adopt my son. Money won't be a problem. It isn't about money. Thank you. Actually, this is now, cool. the only way back to her son is to find out what really happened. Hi, Mommy. Hello, sweetie pie. Daddy. Nick? Nick? You ever hear something called double jeopardy? The state says you already killed your husband. They can't a second time. That means that when you leave here... You can kill him. And there's nothing anybody can do about it. it. Makes you feel warm and tingly all over, don't it? Not exactly, but That's interesting. That's not how double jeopardy works, y'all. <laughs> no. Nope. Yeah, you have to wager nope. like half your money in order to get anything out of it. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, speaking of playing the same role over and over, Tommy Lee Jones is just being fugitive here. There yeah. you go. We're just doing fugitive again. And that's fine. Sure. Fine. And that's where we this are. This is like a dumb Grisham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, but it just, it just, because Ashley Judd was, was a movie star for a very short period of time mm-hmm. for always the same kind of movie and they all did phenomenally well. Mm-hmm. So I imagine mm-hmm. there's, there's people out there who probably think they're she, she's like their favorite actress because she's in like five movies that are all the same. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and that's okay. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, not shitting on her. It's movies other than the nepotism involved. And I am not saying this pejoratively. <laughs> I am saying this in a way of a genre. It's like a movie that's like a grocery store novel mm. where they're all kind of the same and they are all marginally interesting and. Good thing to watch and or read when you're at the beach. There you go. Yeah. And it's raining. There you go. Yeah. yeah. It's super unchallenging. Yeah. Um, the concept falls apart. Yeah. Like, uh, that's not exactly how Double Jeopardy worked. And even if it were how Double Jeopardy worked, if she goes out, if she breaks out of prison and then goes and kills her husband again, presumably he's under a pseudonym. So shouldn't she just get convicted of killing that pseudonym? Well, not to mention the first conviction would probably just be like declared a mistrial since she didn't. Hey, we're not even talking about civil court. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like uh, because it wasn't there was no body because nobody actually got habeas corpus. Murdered? And I've yeah, the extent of I things think, I know about I law know. are now now done. You said all your words. I'm all gone. I'm yes. all done. Yeah. I'm out. Uh, mm-hmm. But speaking of law, so we move into television. Law and Order, uh, the twenty second gun show, the season ten premiere. Uh, introduces Jesse L. Martin. Yes, as yeah. one of the detectives. Mm-hmm. And yep. this was an interesting sh- episode because this happened 20 years ago. This episode occurred 20 years ago and has to do with a mass shooting in a public mm. place. And wow, where there wasn't... Wow, when we weren't living in a time in a bunch, they're just kind of going off Columbine, I'm, I'm guessing. Maybe, yeah. 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 And in this episode, the uh, prosecutor is trying to criminally convict the gun manufacturer for <gasps> producing a gun which apparently was very easily turned into an automatic rifle. I love fiction. Mm. I love fiction. Yeah. <laughs> and spoiler yeah. alert, I was reading the synopsis and apparently he gets the conviction and then the judge from the jury and then the judge nullifies it. Ah, the a mistrial. It's not constitutional. <laughs> yes. I would uh-huh. love to go back and watch See, that to be like, where's the reasoning? Is it, he okay. uses his robe to cover up his like NRA ankle tattoo. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, also, this week, the U.S. version of Cold Feet debuts. Okay, Those so we get like a words. ton of debuts. Mm-hmm. So I have ordered them in roughly shortest to longest, what left the air the fastest. And oh. the U.S. version of Cold Feet, I think, went four episodes and four unaired. The British Cold Feet is quite enjoyable as sort of a light soap. It's like kind of like if Friends were more of a soap opera, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, but it's it's cute and quaint, and that went for a couple of years. And then they tried to do a U.S. version where they like took the same scripts and U.S.ified them, and it failed hideously. Mm. Well. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 you can't talk about short lived like a show mm-hmm. that I I hate this, but it it did lead to some great times if you were a fan of Adult Swim. But yeah. ju- just the idea of like paying millions of dollars for episodes of a show on the U- on UPN or WB and just like, ah, eh, never mind. <laughs> we we <we've, laughs> we paid these 
unbelievable professionals, in this case, Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, the mm-hmm. showrunners and writers for some of the best episodes of The Simpsons, period, including Who yeah. Shot Mr. Burns. Just the best The Simpsons has to offer is from Bill Oakley and Josh Weinstein, period. Yeah. They have a show on the WB. They stop production after two episodes. Wow. And make them like, and like, ah, we'll, we'll call you maybe, but they're still producing episodes. And like a year later, they air a, like four more. And then thankfully, they do all 13 end up airing eventually on Adult Swim. But over the course of two years, the WB could not air 13 episodes of an animated show. It put a lot of time and money into from, wow. from the best pedigree in primetime animation for a show that turns out is not going to make the cultural splash as The Simpsons because it's not going for that. But it, it's I like that it's Hill in it. It reminds me a lot of King of the Hill, what King of the Hill was for, uh, I don't know, suburban Southerners or, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, just blue-collar people. Mission Hill was for hipsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. A slightly parodic look at hipster, a hipster town and hipster people, but nice, kind, funny, not, not too slapsticky. Sometimes you like... Why is this even animated? But it looks gorgeous because it's like it uses only super bright colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mm-hmm. I like I, I, if, if you were in discussion groups like I was, like where is Mission Hill? And like everyone thinks it's you know their hipster city. It's Austin. It's New York. It's Boston. It's uh, it's this place. But it's like it looks sort of like every place because it's so surreal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the way this show looks. And I was telling Sarah earlier if you. Just I, I try to get a clip of the basic premise of the show because it's kind of neat and it's it, I, I hadn't thought about heartbreaking work of staggering genius in a long time. Mm-hmm. Neither have I. When you brought it up, I was like, "Woo!" The yeah, Dave Eggers, it's been a but, while but just that there's an episode of Mission Hill where they try and like disrupt the real world filming in their town, which is mm-hmm. part of that book. But also the basic premise being uh, Wallace Langham from Larry Sanders Show uh, plays. Kind of a, I don't want to say loser. I was definitely this person working in a, yeah. working at a waterbed store, trying to live a cool life away from my parents. And then his parents don't die; they just like we're moving. And your little brother only has one year left in high school, so he's going to go live with you and your three roommates while we move to Wyoming. Mm-hmm. And so this nerdy kid goes to live with his kind of cool brother in a little hipster town, ta- a little hipster village called Mission Hill. And I described a little clip of them, them describing the premise. I could have saved all that. Oh, he thinks, he thinks he's coming to pick up the family dog. Like, I'm going to take care of you from now on. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to have so much fun in the city together. No more mean mom and dad. I'm going to take care of you all by myself. Uh, you know, it's funny that you mention that uh, because, uh, uh, well, would you be willing to... Did you tell him yet? Hi, Andy. So, guys, are we going to be your roommates? What? Kevin, honey, please go wait in the other room. Here's some fit boss. Wait a minute. You want Kevin to come live with me? It'll just be till he graduates and goes off to college. You see, he wasn't thrilled about moving to Wyoming and... uh... Were you ever planning on consulting me about this? You know, I have better things to do than take care of my stupid kid brother. A 1460 combined SAT is not stupid. A dog who eats mothballs, that's stupid. A dog, I might add, who you're rolling out the freaking red carpet for. But your own brother who loves you, he gets a knife in the back from Andy French. Look, Kevin and I have never gotten along, and... Honey, we're taking the piano. You don't need to practice anymore. (laughs) (laughs) This show's, like, it... I don't know, just kind of like very sweet perfection for 13 mm-hmm. episodes. It's got a great DVD mm-hmm. set. All the episodes, for some reason, are on YouTube, uncut. I encourage you to check them out. 
I really liked watching these in Adult Swim, and I really wish this show ran for longer. I fucking do. Because, like, in, in yeah. terms of, like, a show that looks more about my life, there's not many animated shows that do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I really liked the way the show looked. I liked all the characters. I loved all the voice actors in it. I love Tom Kinney as like, the, the first animated gay dude I think I've ever seen uh, on yeah. <laughs> like sure. treated seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yep. I really did like Mission Helm. Yeah, it was really cute. Um, yeah, it's one I discovered on Adult Swim too, and I was sort of like, "Well, I don't know." I'm like, oh shit, this is so cute, and it's it's fun. I'm this is one of these like the weird synergy things, ordering them, the the what we're talking about in order of how many episodes they have. So this has thirteen episodes. The next show we're going to talk about is fourteen episodes, and they're very very similar in that they're yeah. about a kind of quarter life crisis thing the idea where it's like you're young you're probably out of college but you're kind you're still aimless and poor Mm -hmm. (laughs) but you don't know what to do with yourself so you Mm -hmm. have like a ton of roommates and hang out and go out and do goofy shit and it's it's all like my exact era of ennui right when it was Mm -hmm. happening it's just these shows were perfect i and also on the 24th i guess in in england the mm-hmm. show Space debuts, and Space Yay! is just wonderful. It and it didn't. I remember having the bootleg. I remember in college selling bootlegs of this on eBay because it was impossible mm-hmm. to get here. Wow, it, it doesn't really that feel was. weird? Yeah, yep. I think by the time it came here, we did a uh, Sarah was on a laser time. We did about commentaries, yeah, DVD commentaries. Mm-hmm. But then by the time it came here, it's like we're gonna have to charge a lot because this is filled with. Like Star Wars and Scooby Doo music and like super specific footage of like Tomb Raider and Resident Evil because it it was very evocative of like who I was and where I was mm-hmm. in 1999 and, yeah. and it was so difficult to license they had to make the DVD like crazy expensive so I want to say as a result of that like okay but we have commentaries on this disc and I haven't even told you who made it yet. But commentaries from Kevin Smith, Quentin Tarantino, Patton Oswalt, <laughs> and a bunch of other people to try yeah. and make the package justify. Because the people who did get to see the show like, this rules. People should see this. And we were just living in a different world. Like, mm-hmm. this this would have been snapped up in a second by fucking Crackle. I don't know. Any streaming service mm-hmm. in the universe. Or any cable. See so. Any, <laughs> by a Comedy Central yeah. or Adult Swim. Mm-hmm. But it, it just didn't happen. And, like, I, I remember watching these online telling people, but how can I watch it? Got to steal it. Gotta How did you it. hear about it? Uh, the internets. The, like, the internets. Okay. Probably well, your Ain't It Cool I, era. I, I'm going to guess, I think the vast majority of people, at least in the U.S., who had never heard about it when it was on in the U.K., they heard about it after the movie Shaun of the Dead came out. Right. right. Because this because is basically a prequel. It's essentially perfect. The perfect way to describe it, a prequel in just, not with characters, but in tone and form and, and just yep. Edgar Wright. Nick Simon Pegg and Nick Frost together in a show with is it Jessica Stevenson is she she the co-creator uh-huh. mm-hmm. cuz she yep. she I think she like they immediately like sell the show and she immediately gets pregnant and like mm-hmm. has to play this like <laughs> single 20 year old like how the fuck do I do that pregnant? yeah uh, <laughs> lots of big purses but I do know if you're a big Shaun of the Dead fan there's a moment in the movie where he meets a rival gang that looks just like him that's her that's his counterpart right. in space, and like you won't get the joke if you haven't seen space. Right, right, right. And 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 that's that's what that that's why that scene exists. That's why they mm-hmm. fucking stop the movie. Uh, Martin <laughs> Martin Freeman appears for like no reason, says one thing, as uh, Jessica Stevenson is there as the counterpart to Sean in mm-hmm. Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. But but the show's about yeah, just uh, not listless, but like just where the fuck yeah. am I going? I mean, they sort of they're sort of aimless slackers. They mm-hmm. they either have jobs or um, are just like living on unemployment and 
that Our cushy ass UK unemployment where they can the live dome. for months. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Where they just yeah just haven't really figured their shit out, and um, a bunch of geeky shit happens, and they have like weird neighbors in their building and romantic entanglements and stuff. And there's like I said, there's only fourteen episodes over two tiny British seasons, which makes it the longest running British show of all time. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I tried to capture a little bit of its essence. It's difficult to do because. Um, I mean, I was showing Sarah yeah. some clips and just like, this looks like a, a music video in a bad resolution. Like, yeah. that's why it was so special. It's a British series that is feels very young. Like, Martin Scorsese's yeah. making a BBC mm-hmm. show. Oh, it's Edgar and, Wright. I mean, I understand why, like, Tarantino was definitely a huge mm-hmm. fan of this because Edgar Wright is going nuts with the directing. And he has a lot of fun being either very, very specific about, like, the references or something that they're parodying or just doing odd things that you're not usually going to see on a sitcom, even a, a one camera film sitcom and not, you know, one in front of an audience, stuff like that. Yeah. He's going a little bonkers on it and it's really cool that way. Also. Yeah. They're, they're references. It's not just like, here's a bunch of geeky references. Like they, some of them they go pretty deep and weird on. And I had so much fun rewatching it though, because it is very specific to 99 and 2000. Yep. Lots of Phantom Menace. Um, <laughs> Lots of Phantom oh, Menace. Oh yeah. Once the second season is like a running joke. The <laughs> <laughs> Phantom Menace has disappointed him so much. And anyone who likes it has to be killed. And I mean, Jar Jar makes the Ewoks look like fucking shaft. <laughs> I love that one. And um, it has, it has a, a realistically shot paintball episode before mm-hmm. community ever does. The That's true. And mm-hmm. also I will say, that um i think it's on voodoo right now uh it is all somewhere for free it is all free on youtube under the i've never heard of this the youtube british comedy network called dead parrot which is a reference i get by the way uh but on the dead parrot youtube channel it's it's all uncut spaced Hmm. and that's where i got this clip from it's it's a really funny scene because like uh uh, it opens up with both daisy and uh oh not sean i can't remember his name now Tim Tim. being broken up with by their significant others and they basically have to find new jobs and new places to live and they randomly sit next to one another in a coffee shop and they continue to randomly see each other in a coffee shop and then just start like talking to one another. That does feel like a simpler time I can't imagine. (laughs) But but, Mm -hmm. And then eventually decide to live together and there's this great montage of them what looks like their life moving along a very cliched montage that just moves. The, The montage is brutally interrupted by Daisy. Getting to know all about. Get it? I can't do this anymore. <laughs> D- don't, whoa there, pickle. You know, you... Every morning I wake up and it's the same. I get out and I buy the paper and I snack in the morning and I phone them. Only to discover they would take them and watch your fucking psychic house hunters. <laughs> Well, you know, you've only looked at a few. <laughs> and they've all been gold-infested rattles! Look, I'm in the same boat, you know? I mean, you don't see me crying. <laughs> I don't know, that scene always makes me... <laughs> it's... Uh... Uh, I, I really, really can't recommend space enough. And you can get through the whole yep. thing in a weekend, man. It's it's so yep. good. And it's worth binging because there's so many running gags that if you were watching week to week, you would not catch it. That was a running gag. Mm. It, it has – I don't even like Scooby-Doo. And it has like just this wonderful Scooby-Doo reference. <laughs> it's not even a reference. It's just this – it just turns into a beautiful shot for no reason. 
and they use the music and it just it makes yep. me so fucking happy and it's one of the reasons they could could never bring it over to america and in, a, in dvd form anyway yeah. space should have existed i will say though that the dvd if you can get your hands on it is worth it because there's annotations yep. because there are some jokes in there that's like okay that's clearly like a british ad that mm-hmm. i never saw or like grange hill never came to the us so i don't know what that show is like so they're doing a parody of it i'll just take your word for it Oof. there's a bunch of that it can be very british specific god i wish we could talk more about space but lord we knows have so much more to talk about we have to move on to fucking relic hunter yeah with Tia <laughs> the funniest looking show i've ever seen it out for oh yeah she it ran for three seasons she three is seasons. a three seasons wow traveling archaeologist who she is, is laura croft asked to <laughs> no get... no legally distinct yes. not laura croft she's mara soft <laughs> sure yes not Please. anything and her martial arts abilities which often come into play when she is rescuing antiquities and relics from other relic hunters throughout the world wow <laughs> so yeah three seasons y'all Tia, I, 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 I remember watching the first episode because Tia Carrera in a small world and a big Wayne's World fan was a woman I was so attracted to. I'm like, I'll go wherever you go, mm-hmm. which is why I own her single. I never even told you parentheses. I thought you knew, which, <laughs> which you can hear at the end of Batman Mask of the Phantasm for some wow. reason okay. over the credits. Uh, and this is fuck. This All is right. ridiculous. OK, well, we went out of order there for a second, but as if it <sighs> wasn't enough for shows that speak to young people. Oh. First we got Mission Hill, yes. then we got Spaced, and then we got Freaks and Geeks. Oh, so all the same good. week. So good. It's Freaks and Geeks is absurdly well done. It's yes. it's kind it, of uh otherworldly. It feels like an independent movie made made via an NBC television show. It's absurd. Yeah. It it's really yeah. good. Every time I feel like I don't want to watch it, I disappear into it right. and I repeat lines and I sing Lady L. And it, it, I love Freaks and Geeks so much, and it it's astonishing that this little Judd Apatow show before anybody and knew Paul who Feig. that guy's in Paul Feig before anybody mm-hmm. knew that those names were mm-hmm. it produced as a big mystery science fan by the original uh, scientist and Larry and Tom Servo J Elvis Weinstein not to be confused with mm-hmm. Josh Weinstein Mission right. Hill fame and you get Crow and Joel on the show too mm-hmm. and that's why that's that's what made me watch the show. But I didn't know it would end up informing basically the people who starred in comedies for the rest of our lives. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And and that the show stars Linda Cardellini mm-hmm. and also has James Franco. Oh, why am I spacing on Well, Muppets? it really centers on Linda, Linda Cardellini, Cardellini and John Francis Daly as brother and sister. Mm-hmm. And they are having a hard time in high school. But but mm-hmm. but but a different kind of hard time. Like I love the way the show portrays. One, it's like the kind of geek that I was. Right. Like the mm-hmm. uh, Sam Levine character who's obsessed with Steve Martin lines. Yes. Like I wasn't, I wasn't running in the school repeating Star Trek lines, but I was doing like Adam Sandler and Chris Farley stuff mm-hmm. in like as I approached high school and like completely alienating myself. Mm-hmm. But also like <laughs> Linda Cardellini, like bouncing back and forth between my academic. Quiet friends right. and my rebellious pot smoking friends, mm-hmm. played mm-hmm. by Seth Rogen, James Franco, uh, Jason Siegel, Jason Siegel. Let's not Bill Haverchuk. Bill Martin Martin Star is like the Martin, best character yeah, he's in the geek side. 
Yes. Not the freak mm-hmm. side. Yeah. <laughs> and he's still there, I think, in, uh, in what's that show? Why am I Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. it's one of the best characters in the history of television. Oh. I love Bill Haberstein. <laughs> 100%. And one of the great things about this show, too, is that it really gets to the idea that even though high school was very hard for all these kids, mm-hmm. they still had really good friends. They still were having a good time in their own way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like endless mm-hmm. torture, but it also shows they, there's a episodes that they deal with stuff going on in their family. So yeah. it's, it's not just getting bullied that, at school. That episode of him, mm. the garage door opening, I finding out his dad is having an affair. Cannot. Is, it's yeah. it's so much. well constructed. It is. And that character, that Sam Levine character, he's such a, good realistic character where he's, he's like very like me he's <laughs> he's, he's very very like me he's always quoting and doing impressions and stuff but underneath it all he's really an angry kid yeah he's like mm-hmm. a really angry guy because of everything that's you know been going on for him and, and desperate to fit yeah. in more so than his geek friends who are more than happy to stay in the shadows and avoid everybody and also he mm-hmm. knows deep down that he will be okay he's an adult he's a little adult mm-hmm. that's like part of right. the reason why i feel like i identified with him so much is that i kind of felt like i just don't fit in with anyone here but i know mm-hmm. i'll be okay when i become an adult like i'm I'm yeah. already there, there. I don't need to. Oh, God. Yeah. It's so true. It's, it's just like, I felt like I was, uh, most of high school and definitely junior high. It's like, I'm in, I'm in prison right now. Yeah. It's like, I'm in, I'm in prison and yeah. I have to serve my time and then I'll get out. And I don't even and have. Then I can go be myself. The wonderful lady experience I end up hearing about more as we grow older. Just, <laughs> it's why. Why men treat women. This, like the, the fact that like, clearly Linda Cardellini has a thing for James Franco's character. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jason Siegel asked her first. So she's like, okay, we'll be boyfriend and girlfriend and doesn't like it the whole time. Right. And never gets what she wants, settles for who asked first. And like, I have talked to a lot of people who had similar experiences. Because also, you know, you're kind of, you're not really told how to say no Mm -hmm. in a situation like Mm -hmm. this. You know, you don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And he's a sweet guy. Learns to like him and then not like him. Yeah. I don't have to like him. Yeah. And uh, this, in the last episode of the show, so beautiful. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. We have a clip. Oh, the whole episode with mm-hmm. Bill Haverchuk going home as a latchkey kid mm-hmm. and making his cereal. I think he makes, <laughs> and he's just like laughing, open mouthed at you know his comedy shows that he watches, mm-hmm. and he's just like a little kid again. Obsessed with Steve Martin, yeah, and, and Bill Murray, which I would have because like this isn't. Uh, this is the eight. I think it's seventy nine technically, mm-hmm. but it feels 80, very eighties. Yeah, and uh, but it, well, it feels very seventies. Like mm-hmm. just the inside of the warehouse is like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, oh my god, I recognize her, this. Her fucking parents. Yes, so that's the clip I pulled. So the first episode <laughs> is fantastic, and it does such a good job of introducing you to the characters without it being so exposition-y like this is who this is you know like it really Mm -hmm. just does a great job of introducing the characters and it was so hard for me to find a clip but the one that I did find is the clip of uh, Linda Carlini and John Daly sitting with their parents at the dinner table Mm -hmm. because you know we can talk about the the high schoolers a bunch and they are the focus Mm -hmm. of the entire show but her parents are so the adult characters are great too I almost pulled the clip of um I meant to, of the uh, guidance counselor. counselor because Dave, I meant to pull it for the hippie ah, episode. Yes, she like totally mean to him. He's like, 
Oh, sick burn. Yeah. Like, let's rap. Let's- <laughs> yeah. He's so good. Like the the coach, mm-hmm. Biff. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's Tom Wilson. Yep. From he's, Back to the Future. I mean, As a, is it Joe Flaherty? Is he in the movie? He's er, Yeah, Joe Flaherty's the dad. He's and, the uh, Mr. McFly. That makes, so, that makes me so happy mm-hmm. because it just – Joe Flaherty is like the one guy out of SETV that sort of got left behind. You know, he's not a Martin Short. He's not a Rick Moranis. He's not a John Candy. And I'm so glad it's like introducing him to future generations because he's so fucking funny he, on this show. He's as so an good. uptight dad, he's so fucking great. And I get confused because like I think the mom went on to play Hannah Horvath's mom and girl, yes. Becky Ann Baker, who she uh, is does nude scenes. So good. <laughs> I just absolutely love her too. And she plays such a good, like concerned, yes. sweet, caring mom, but Perfect. also kind of an annoying mom yes. too. You know? Which so, were, were my parents. Like kind of to a T, like concerned, yeah. attentive, and like get the fuck away that. from me, leave me alone. Yeah, I can <laughs> get, see that. Leave me alone for sure. So here's a little clip of them. God, I love this. Uh, this episode is. Oh. You know, I ran into Mrs. Patton today at Farmer Jack, and she said she saw you smoking. <laughs> well, she's crazy, Mom. I can't believe you. Do you seriously think I would start smoking? Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, I had a friend that used to smoke. You know what he's doing now? He's dead. Now you think smoking makes you look cool? Let's go dig him up now and see how cool he looks. Danny, if I started smoking, I would tell you. Oh, good. Now I don't have to worry. Hey, Dad, guess what? They're showing Monty Python and the Holy Grail at Parkway Saturday night. Neil, Bill, and I are going to watch it twice in a row. Great. Well, Sam, isn't the homecoming dance Saturday night? Yeah. Are you going? No, why would I do that? Well, your sister's going. No, I'm not. All right, kids, high school is for learning, but it's also where you should be learning how to socialize. That's what high school dances are all about. No, they're not. There's a chance for the popular kids to experiment with sex in their cars. Lindsay! Hey! I mean, if that's what you want me to do, then I'd be happy to go. There was a girl in our school. She had premarital sex. You know what she did on graduation day? Died. (laughs) An overdose. Heroin. Dad, are any of your friends alive? Smart ones. (laughs) This, this. It's so sweet. (laughs) It's so sweet. I don't know. This, I love this show so much. I, I love this show. I have to admit, it took me a long time to get around to watching this show. Me because too. I was afraid. Mm. I was literally afraid of it because I was both a freak and a geek. And yep. I read all these reviews about how it was like really realistic and true to life. And it was like, I was just imagining Welcome to the Dollhouse, the TV show. And then it would be traumatic every week. And then have start having flashbacks and shit. And I realized, oh, okay, once I finally watched it, I'm like, Oh, it's true to life in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like it yeah. has my back. Yes, in, in a deeply painful way. I would I, it's occasionally, but it always it always occasionally it writes it it, it broaches up to that line. Then always I, I, the Millie character comes to mind. Oh, if you've ever Millie. been, mm. if you've ever been the friend of someone who's outgrown you, um, mm. which I, have. I might have been a Millie. <laughs> you definitely were a Millie. Yeah, uh, getting drunk on non-alcoholic beer. Yeah. And- <laughs> Yeah, I might still be a Millie. Um, but Busy I also, Phillips character, though? I, is, yes, oh, I was about to say, hmm. this is also the first time we really see Busy Phillips, who she is a truly a gift, and we're going to talk about her again in the 2009 segment. But Ooh. she's great. Her character is so good. It truly nails 
having a mean friend, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. I think all of us, especially girls, have had that mean friend who it kind of a little bit talked about it when we were talking about Jennifer's body, mm-hmm. which is that mm-hmm. friend that you're friends with, but you she doesn't always make you feel good about yourself, but she's kind of good to have she's around. Particularly ruthless. She does have your back, but mm-hmm. she's also. Mm-hmm. Mean. She's just a mean, mean to you in a weird way. Yeah. And she's so good. I just think the show does such a good job, too, of marrying the sensibility between Judd Apatow and Paul Feig, where you have mm. Judd Apatow's mm. like really um, so funny, so naturally funny mm. instincts um, and ability to get these really funny people to be at their best. Yeah. Let's let and play then a Paul bit. Feig's absolute sweetness and his like sensibility when it comes to. Uh, human relationships especially you know how hard and difficult they can be but also how very sweet they are too and it, this is hmm. this is frustrating I think I said sweetest a thousand times during this episode but I mean it, it's well, the I, best way to describe <laughs> this in my opinion it, it, it needed to be sweet at, it's the sweet at the end of the episode because I I will go to the limit it is super painful it is mm-hmm. to watch most of the episodes and usually rounds about with a bit of a happy ending. And I, I just come to the conclusion mm-hmm. of like, remember James Franco having to come over to the geek's house to play Dungeons and Dragons? And <laughs> so good. Like he's going to ruin everything and be such a dick about mm-hmm. it. And then just, hey guys, I'm dumb and I love this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it I guess totally, the, but I love it. Yeah. I guess the conclusion is usually, hey, it's going to be okay. Yes. Right. Exactly. It's like, but that's what I needed to hear back in the day. So it, that it, makes me feel better. It's, it, you know, it's an hour long. So it, to me, it forces it forced my face to like a period I had just grown out of mm-hmm. and, and let this thing know that it was still shaping me and residually like holding me back from certain things like kind of happens to everybody and every generation. And it's not really that big a deal. So for me, the show is life affirming. And of course, like maybe like Diana never watched it when it was on. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say like it's a pre-streaming world. If it had been streaming, everyone would be it would still be still have been on the air. People would oh, still have yeah. been talking about it. And mm-hmm. It's uh, it was so critically hailed. NBC couldn't cancel it, even though they wanted to. From episode one, it mm-hmm. performs. They put it on like <laughs> Friday night. It's like, yeah, the freaks and geeks can watch it on Friday night. No one watches TV on Friday night. They run a movie or some shit. Like they have a little more freedom. Yeah. And 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 the show tanked. Like did horribly in the ratings, but the critics were always always had its back. Well, the children mm-hmm. who were watching TV TGIF on mm-hmm. Friday night were not watching Freaks and Geeks. Right. We just did a segment about watching TV on a Friday night, but it's not for kids. And do you remember when it's it came- really for like young adults and parents? It's, really, it's like sixteen episodes, right? Seventeen, eighteen. Yeah, seventeen. And yeah. It, it came out on DVD, and they're like, "We put a lot of music in the show, and we didn't know how DVD rights were going to work, so this box set is like ninety dollars." Mm-hmm. So even then, it was like also difficult to discover until I was getting discs off Netflix, but like it was even hard to buy on DVD when someone told you it was good, but right. You have no excuse not to discover the show. If you're listening to this show, I think odds are you can relate to these, 100%. one of these kids not calling you yep. a freak or a geek, right? but we're here because we spent a lot of time indoors, all well, of us. And it's <laughs> truly a time when, you know, being a geek was, not a culturally valuable thing to be. Yes. These kids' knowledge yeah. is not culturally valuable. They mm-hmm. nobody cares about this stuff except for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's an interesting it's, window to that. Yeah, in some ways, you could say this is a show that ended up kind of making it on streaming eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Though that was like, I know so many people who discovered it when it was on Netflix, yep. and then once it left Netflix, they lost their shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you mean I can't ever watch this again? Yep. I want to watch this right now. Me too. Right now. Yep. And that doesn't go for that doesn't go for every show. 
I want to talk about space. I've seen it so many times. I don't need to see it again. Okay, so we move on to the next show because that one is, is one I love so dearly, but it wore on me so much I never saw it through to the end because mm-hmm. it's just, it is compared. To, how do we jump from Freaks and Geeks to this show in terms of number of episodes? Because, like, yes. Oh, like, well, it's a big jump. We're going from, uh, yeah, one, like, half a season to uh, another critically acclaimed show, but this one ran for seven seasons and 156 episodes. It's this fun little sci fi show about <laughs> what it would be like if the president and his staff were people who were competent and, and kind. Yes. <laughs> and, like, fundamentally good people. With actual like empathy and feelings towards others. Yes. And oh, oh no, let's not forget smart and can quote literature. Let's not forget aspirations. Yes. Like had a worldview mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and had a, had a way they thought they wanted to see the country be rather than mm-hmm. the, how they wanted to look. Ah, whatever. But uh, that's right. It's the it's the latest Star Trek spinoff, The West Wing. Yes. I, I and this this I'm concerned. <laughs> like, does The West Wing hold up? I don't. I'm too Ooh. afraid. Well, okay. Yeah. I've revisited. I started. It. Rewatching it too, yeah. Yeah, I've revisited it a couple times over the years. I got really into it in high school and undergrad, mm-hmm. with, where I basically started watching it probably when it was about a third of the way or halfway day, mm-hmm. like through with its run, and then like with most long multi-season television programs, I cannot finish it because mm-hmm. I don't know why it took me forever to actually. Never got to see Alan Alda play a Republican. Ah, I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that, but uh, but I did finally finish the whole series, and I just have such a soft spot in my heart for it. Even though I pu- so I pulled a clip from the first up. Ep- well, first of all, we're talking about the West Wing. The I, West Wing. We could talk about everyone in it, but <clears throat> we know. I mean, Martin Sheen, Stalker Channing, Allison Janney, uh, well, Richard I, I, Schiff, Bradley Whitford, John Spencer. In terms of, in I think it's. Allison Janney would go oh, on, and Bradley Whitford would go on to be like awesome in a bunch of other stuff. But I think it's like the best thing Rob Lowe and Martin Sheen ever did. Because I, because yeah. Aaron, Sor- Aaron Sorkin dial- yeah. dialogue is hard to handle, and Rob Lowe oh, yeah. is really good at it. Really good and, at it. But I do have to say, I don't. I think it's tied for his turn on Parks and Rec. But I think that's sort of based in the, the fast talking, yeah. yeah, competent yeah. person. Because yeah. he went, he like he quit the show. Because of money and went on to play like the exact same character in another show. Right. And and mm-hmm. before that, like no one like Rob Lowe was like a ditzy heartthrob who mm-hmm. barely said shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, the show was actually supposed to be centered around Rob Lowe. Mm. That it was his character that was supposed to be I, I, the otherwise I don't know why he was in it. He was still a he was still a movie star at this point. Was he? Yeah, yeah Tommy Boy no. was out a couple years yeah. ago. <laughs> uh, no. Um, and I mean, I think everyone knows this by now, but Martin Sheen was supposed to, you know, as the president was supposed to be playing Not a... Not appear that much. Yeah, he's supposed to be basically invisible or maybe you see him every once or twice a yeah. season. But, yeah. you know... It takes... I ran, a, I ran a stopwatch. It took 40 minutes in the pilot before he shows up. Right. Really? And then he makes a big entrance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he makes a big speech. Okay. Basically. Basically, Which is what the show is all about. This is liberal so, liberal porn. We should say it that. Is, and, yes. and the, I was never embarrassed about it until I saw the newsroom. I don't know if that show took Ooh, it too far. I can't with the newsroom. Or the yes. revisionist nature of it. Yes, like, it did. Well, I don't know. I think this show might have done that too, but it was the only thing like it at the time. No, I feel and like... It, it, the West Wing, watching the West Wing made me feel like the world was going in the right direction, whereas mm-hmm. I didn't feel that from the newsroom. Well, yeah. the other thing too with 
that is this is the Aaron Sorkin show. Aaron Sorkin. And walkie his his <laughs> whole style and the importance that he puts on everything. I think that's why West Wing is something that I can revisit while I can't really revisit Sports Night. Certainly am never going to put my eyes upon Studio 60 on the Sunset Strip <laughs> ever again. And I they definitely will never sketches. watch the newsroom because and, and, but, but here's the, the thing. Seriousness, the West Wing is basically a podcast. You can just well, th- very little <laughs> visually true. happens. You can you can totally put it on in the background. I and love enjoy seeing it. everyone's beautiful suits though, yeah. but um, and the beautiful lighting. But uh, uh, but the I seriousness, love watching the steady cam work. How they, how they have to map out where everyone's going and everyone has to be there so the camera can get out of their way and then get them while they're still talking. That's some beautiful directing by Tommy Shalami. It's beautiful. Truly yep, his Tommy real Shlamy. name. No, it isn't. Thomas Shalami. Tommy Shalami. Tommy Shalami. But um but the seriousness in which with which Aaron Sorkin treats everything, mm-hmm. I think is only appropriate for politics and world events <laughs> and not appropriate for sports or Sketch, sketch comedy, comedy. <laughs> <laughs> and not even really for the news media as we know it to be honest yeah and I, I still see almost on a monthly basis the clip of the president telling off the religious person am i allowed mm-hmm. to stone my daughter yes she, yes and, i almost pulled that clip but instead i when the uh, president stands nobody sits yeah and, <laughs> yeah I almost uh, pulled that clip, but instead I pulled another clip of him ooh, telling okay. someone off. Because I know we've all heard that one before. I mean, yes. Because the, the president just... is your, the perfect dad. And... Truly. Truly. <laughs> and so in this one, you can just let it roll until uh, you're ready to stop it. Uh, I know you're... <laughs> the first commandment says, honor thy father. No, it doesn't. Toby. It doesn't. Listen to... No, I, if I'm going to make you sit through this preposterous exercise, we're going to get the names of the damn commandments right. Okay, here we go. Honor thy father is the third commandment. Then what's the first commandment? I am the Lord your God. Thou shalt worship no other God before me. Boy, those were the days, huh? Good afternoon, Mr. President. Al. What do we got here, CJ? Well, we've got some hot tempers, Mr. President. Mary. Uh, Mr. President, I'm uh, John Van Dyke. Yes. Reverend? Uh, May I ask you a question, sir? Of course. If our children can buy pornography on any street corner for $5, isn't that too high a price to pay for free speech? No. Really? On the other hand, I do think that $5 is too high a price to pay for pornography. (laughs) Why don't we all sit down? No, let's not, CJ. These people won't be staying that long. May I have some coffee, Mr. Lewis? Al, how many times have I asked you to denounce the practices of a fringe group that calls itself the Lambs of God? Sir, that's not up to me. Crap, it is up to you, Al. You know, my wife, Abby, she never wants me to do anything while I'm upset. Thank you, Mr. Lewis. 28 years ago, I came home from a very bad day at the state house. I tell Abby I'm going out for a drive. I get in the station wagon, put it in reverse, and pull out of the garage full speed. Except I forgot to open the garage door. Abby told me not to drive while I was upset, and she was right. She was right yesterday when she told me not to get on that damn bicycle while I was upset, but I did it anyway, and I guess I was just about as angry as I've ever been in my life. Seems my granddaughter Annie had given an interview in one of those teen magazines, and somewhere between movie stars and makeup tips, she talked about her feelings on a woman's right to choose. Now, Annie, all of 12, has always been precocious, but she's got a good head on her shoulders, and I like it when she uses it, so I couldn't understand it when her mother called me in tears yesterday. I said, Elizabeth, what's wrong? She said, it's Annie. 
Now, I love my family, and I've read my Bible from cover to cover, so I want you to tell me, from what part of Holy Scripture do you suppose the lambs of God drew their divine inspiration when they sent my 12-year-old granddaughter a Raggedy Ann doll with a knife stuck through its throat? You'll denounce these people, Al. You'll do it publicly. And until you do, you can all get your fat asses out of my White House. CJ, show these people out. <laughs> um. Ooh, Daddy oh, Daddy Sheen. I love so much. Okay. The, the daughter's Elizabeth oh, Olsen. <laughs> it's a left-wing fairy tale. Uh, yeah. oh. So many things about this. First of all, that Aaron Sorkin has so little regard for the religious right that they he actually thinks a religious leader would say that the first commandment is honor thy father, thy mother. <laughs> yep. I mean. And yeah, that is his character introduction, Martin yeah. Sheen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The president. Yelling, I am the Lord thy right. God. I, I put in the doc in front of our this clip egads because <laughs> <laughs> I think that's appropriate. Uh, also, he has Martin Sheen has the cadence of a priest or preacher yeah. in this whole mm-hmm. thing. I mean, this whole story is a sermon, basically, which I find very interesting. So I just watch Apocalypse now and watch him like like mope narrate, and mm-hmm. it is a huge transition coming. Into this, it is. Into this, was it President Butler? Was it Bartlett? Bartlett. Bartlett for America. Bartlett. And Elizabeth but, Olsen is his daughter, who was sent the raggedy Ann doll. No, that's his grand. He's talking about his granddaughter. Oh, his granddaughter. Okay. And it's Elizabeth Moss is his daughter. My bad. Yes, no, that's not the Olsen twin sister. No. Oh no. Whew, no. But TV's we'll be, taken out of me. So yeah, we've talked a lot about the West Wing, and don't worry, we'll be covering it more and more. It's got a good, <laughs> really good season finale, man. Good, Truly does. Uh, oh man, so good. Uh, and uh, on the twentieth. Family Feud is back with Louis Anderson. Are you telling me Family Feud is more episodes in the West Wing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Also, Louis Anderson is lovely, so I wanted to make sure that yeah, you knew says. Uh, <laughs> I can't right. do a good Louis and Anderson. And now, are you ready for this, though? We have a show that debuted 20 years ago this week that's still on the air. Yep. Wow. To talk about the anniversary of SVU, though, we have special guests uh, from the These Are Their Stories podcast about Law and Order. We have Rebecca Lavoie and Kevin Flynn. Hello. Hello. So did you think back in 1999 that this show was going to last for 20 years? (laughs) I don't think I was watching this show in 1999. (laughs) I was. I remember because I was watching it because I remember like following Mariska from ER to this Mm -hmm. show. And it is funny when you watch the first episode again, which we just did, how much they shot it kind of like ER with people like walking and talking all the time and stuff. (laughs) But no, I never thought anything would last 20 years. (laughs) I think I was aware of it because I had watched Law and Order. I don't think I was in every week Law and Order watcher at the time. But uh, I, you know, I was certainly aware, oh, they're doing a spinoff. And then they did another spinoff. And then CSI, you know, sort of I was thinking, oh, is this the wave of the future? They get a hit show and they're just going to keep splitting them off. And uh, but the difference was they were using the same name. It wasn't like Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't like Happy Days, colon, Milwaukee. You know, right. it just was. <laughs> it it's just, So, I mean, it, I think it started certainly a trend over at CBS. They certainly loved their CSI and CIS. The franchise trend. The franchise, yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the reasons I love your podcast is I feel like it, it's the it's the first people talking about Law & Order, especially SVU, but all Law & Orders, that get my feeling about it, which is that I love it, but I also think it's laughable. Yeah, it's trash. It's total <laughs> wonderful trash. And, you know, looking back at the way it started kind of points to all the reasons why it's trash, because... 
it started so earnestly. Like mm-hmm. one of the things that's so funny to me watching the first episode is they refer to the SVU. First of all, they call it Sex Crimes Unit. Which was which, the original title of the show. Which sounds way too fun. It's like the Love Crimes Unit. Love Gone Wrong. <laughs> crimes Unit. <laughs> um, so like there's no Misunderstanding reference. Unit. <laughs> the He Said, She Said Unit. Um, but basically like at the, one of the first lines is, this is an all-volunteer unit. And it's like, you know, everybody who's ever in this unit acts like it's the worst job they ever had. <laughs> the fact that they're volunteering for it just seems like super BS, but it kind of shows, you know, how they've had to develop the characters. They've lasted so long. And it's the fact that it's lasted long that's made it trashier and trashier. But I, I still watch every freaking week. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, there's certainly a lot of exposition about um, – this, you know, the universe of law and order in the first episode and other dimensions of like, uh, certainly Craig and we know it, it's because we have him. We know it lives in the law and order universe because he was mm-hmm. the lieutenant in the first four seasons of Original Recipe. He makes a reference to Van Buren needing some stuff. We have Abby Carmichael makes an appearance and then we have John Munch. The character who comes yeah. over from Homicide. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who reminds us of that every five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in Baltimore, I'm never going back to Baltimore. Back in Baltimore. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, one convention they do keep in this episode that still lasts today uh, is the six second phone call. Yeah. That <laughs> Cragen receives a phone call that lasts six seconds and then hangs up and gives them 40 seconds of information that he just learned on the phone call. <laughs> That's something they never give up. They also never give up the magnificence of Mariska Hargitay's hair, which starts mm-hmm. its legacy in the very first episode in 1999 and has continued for 20 years. Can you imagine doing something for 20 years and never having an, like a super embarrassing hair year? Like every cut <laughs> is every cut is good. I mean, we can have preferences. Yeah. We can say some are better than others, but like every single one of them she could walk around with today and be completely fine. This is true. That is that is the thing that's like 1999 we've spotted a lot of stuff that's like very dated and sometimes it's wonderfully dated and this one like no everyone's clothes look fine everyone's hair looks fine <laughs> it could be filmed today i wouldn't notice yeah except there's an awful lot of wasted material in uh, stabler's uh, dress shirts yes you know mm. they'd be very it'd be much more fitted and now he's got yeah very it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they had cell phones, though. That, that is one weird thing, too. A lot of 99 stuff, no one's got cell phones yet. Yeah, well, they're cops. cops. Yeah, they had all the stuff. Yeah, and blackberries, <laughs> things like that. I, you know, get back to your original question. I don't think they thought this was going to be 21 seasons of this show. They certainly didn't think, okay, we can call it sex crimes, which leads me to believe that they probably thought in order to do this in prime time, we're going to have to soften some of the rough edges. Mm. Could have known that the show would become a vehicle for healing right? and for people mm. to kind of work out their therapy. There are a lot of uh, you know victims in real life that see Mariska Hargitay and, and Olivia Benson as their champion. Yep. And, you know, mm. by proxy, she's working, she's defending them and she's working out their issues and, and their recovery and survival from an attack. And I, I think that, you know, they really have leaned into that in the in the subsequent years, especially after Chris Maloney left. Yeah. And there's actual data that shows that college students who are habitual watchers of SVU have more awareness around consent and issues around rape. And it's actually been good for the culture to have this show completely And, and much conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> they know all about JFK and aliens. And- 
Well, thank you so much for being here again, Rebecca Lavoy, Kevin Flynn. These are their stories. I love it. I listen every week. And thanks for coming on. Thanks, thanks Diana. Thanks so much. That was fun. Does anyone else have anything to say about Law & Order SVU? Well, We're literally about to start its 21st season right now. It's still just, on the air. Just to bring it back to 1989, I when mm-hmm. I was doing my research on it, Dick Wolf was inspired by the preppy murder. <laughs> That's what really what? got his wheels turning with doing a whole Law & Order SVU, this whole show, basically. He's really inspired by it. It's also one of three of the longest-running shows on television, the other two being Gunsmoke and Law & Order. Which they canceled. That's the only thing I have to say about it. I think it says something about society, man, that they canceled Law & Order and left the freak Law & Order on the air. Mm -hmm. Because that's all the people Mm. care about, salacious information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is weird, though, because it's like Law & Order regular is kind of perfectly two shows the first half is always the police investigation the second half is the legal drama part and then svu is mostly the police investigation and sometimes they don't even get to the legal part mm-hmm. or it That's just shows true. up way at the end yeah and i don't know if it's just says something about that like we just like our detective shows more than our legal dramas uh, i don't know i can see that yeah and i well, i also like special oh. victims like true, the most <laughs> the special, best victims. the most best special. kind of victims. <laughs> yeah. Oh god! And the game that but, came out this week is Resident Evil Three Nemesis, and whatever you were going to say. <laughs> oh, I was going to just talk about how much I love Mariska Hargitay, but that's fine. I just want to get out of the way. I'm not talking <laughs> yeah. about Resident Evil Three. Um, She's just so great, and she was the first uh, win for any Law and Order franchise mm. for a Nemi. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Oh, poor Sam Waterston. No no love for him, huh? Yeah, well, maybe he'll get it for Grace and Frankie. He should have got an Emmy for SNL's robot medication commercial. That's, <laughs> that's one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I love that so much. And would go on to play the Robert Guillaume character in the newsroom. I also and, have to say, I watched a lot of SVU in high school, and it really, I feel like, really, it says something about my type in that my biggest crushes during high school were Bradley Whitford and Christopher Maloney. <laughs> yeah. All right. Wow. Yeah. I'm kind of visually living Ooh, up to, to both of them really right now. Those are not really the same type, though. Not the same type, but, I mean, Christopher Maloney, he kind of goes, he fits in with my Stanley Tucci and my husband <laughs> crush, so. <laughs> I thought he was Casey Jones from the Ninja Turtles movie. He's dreaming. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, you will. 3010 is coming up. <laughs> that sounded like it's a threat. coming up. Coming up, uh, we'll close out with Ronda Rousey's WWE theme, Bad Reputation by Joan Jett, which is also the Freaks and Geeks intro, which is a great, a fucking fantastic song. Uh, And when we come back, apparently there's still more show to do. Holy shit, I need a bucket to piss (gasps) in. ships at sea it's time for diana's classic corner where we look even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching and for the week of september 20 through 26 oh, it's uh it's a busy week i don't know where to start i guess i'll start with you remember how last week i said scooby-doo debuted in 1969 well here it is a week later 
and we're passing the torch because it's the last theatrical Warner Brothers cartoon was released 50 years ago this week. And that's that's the end of an era. And um, yeah, I'm sorry, but Hanna-Barbera sucks compared to Warner Brothers, even though their 60s output is it's just terrible. Anyway, also this week, speaking of end of the eras, uh, turns out September 20th, 1969 is the last time all four Beatles are ever together. And then Abbey Road is released a couple days later, and that's it. Then there's just no more Beatles. They're going to have, you know, Let It Be come out just sort of afterwards. They're just sort of done with it. And that's it. And Abbey Road's uh, probably my second second favorite Beatles album. So if you've never listened to Abbey Road, you start to finish. You totally should. It's freaking great. But that's not going to be my movie recommend this week. My movie recommend is 75 years ago this week, September 23rd, 1944, saw the release of Frank Capra's film version of the stage hit Arsenic and Old Lace, starring uh, Cary Grant, Raymond Massey, Peter Lorre. This movie is just so damn funny. It's it's a screwball comedy about uh, serial murder. Yeah, I mean, there's really no other way for me to describe it. It's about these sweet little old ladies and their um, penchant for murdering people. And then uh, there's a lot of running around and door slamming and craziness ensues. And it's it's just it's just so cute and fun. So easy recommend this week. Arsenic and Old Lace from 1944. Even kids, I think, would probably like it just because it's so weird and dark for such a happy, light time as World War II. Uh, anyway, that's it for this week. Stay classic. Coming in with a good life off of Life Starts Now by Three Days Grace, baby. I love any band with three in it. Uh, three Doors Down, Marvelous Three, Three Blind Mice. All right. Third Eye Blind. There you go. Uh, all right. I'll take it. Welcome to 2009, everybody. I've changed my accent up, grown into a little bit. Uh, it's 10 years later. Don't even remember Freaks and Geeks. West Wing, can't believe I ever bought into that bullshit. <laughs> Personal responsibility. Uh, <laughs> sure. Physical re- resoluteness. This uh, accent is really uh, fitting in because we will be talking about a Florida show. Ooh, okay. Um, ooh, I'm excited. Uh, oh, uh, wait. No, it's a good Florida show. Yeah. Let me refer uh, back. Also, I will say, rewatching the West Wing is giving me sort of weird flashbacks when they're like talking about, we can't let this assault weapons ban in. That'll, <laughs> that'll put our 15s on the street. We can't allow that. I'm like, <laughs> we're all going to die. Yeah. Yeah, somewhere. Just stay away from crowds. <laughs> Ooh, I know I do, no. but uh, not on purpose. God, please invite me to something. Welcome to 2009, not September 26th. It was not a burp. Mm. That was a hiccup uh, that you heard wrong. I'm using some present <laughs> logic gaslighting here. me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pun intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, new music releases for September 28th to the 26th in 2009. Tomorrow by Sean Kingston. Confessions by Pillar. Monsters of Folk. Self-titled uh, and only album. The Listening by the Lights, Album by Girls, Day of Mourning by uh, Despise Icon, Us by Brother Ali, Daisy by Brand New, The Incident by Porcupine Tree, Scars by Baseman Jacks, Backspacer by Pearl Jam, and The War is the Answer by uh, Five Finger Death Punch. I Got a Ooh. Feeling by Black Eyed Peas is still number one. Great job. Uh, <laughs> that I, was the fastest 
And most agile you've ever done that. Well, usually I'm not baiting myself with eating after a four-hour podcast well, session. Don't bait yourself <laughs> while I'm in the room, please. Go away, baiting. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, 2009 movies, September 23rd, 26th. Clyde of the Chance of Meatballs is still number one at the box office. And if you didn't hear last week's episode, we're okay with that. Also out this week, there's a ton of movies and we're not gonna be able to talk about all of them. Mm. Even the ones I've seen, no. uh, the September issue, that, that was not one of them. That's a good one though. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about the uh, Vogue magazine September issue, which is traditionally the biggest issue of this year. This is the first I'm hearing about and this. And it's all about putting it oh. together and making decisions about clothes. Things I generally don't care about, but in a documentary form, it is pretty fascinating. Oh, if it's a documentary, I mean. Mm-hmm. It's basically mm-hmm. yeah. The Devil Wears Prada, but mm. a documentary. Uh, a movie I did see. Trailer Park Boys count down to Liquor Day. Trailer Park Boys is a thing I watch all of, but don't love as much as a lot of other people do. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is their second movie? Third movie? I, I don't know. Yeah, it is confusing. I think it's second. Okay. It, if you don't, if you're counting the, the first thing before it was a series that we like just talked about a couple months ago, but for 99. Yes, before they buy it back from the the creators and then uh, make sure it'll right. never stop on Netflix. Uh, I hope they serve beer in hell. Uh, adaptation of Tucker Max's book. <sighs> what a piece of shit. Yep. <laughs> uh, I hope they don't. <laughs> Take that. They do in my yeah. hell. I don't yeah? like beer. Oh, okay. White Claws only. Um, no. I want it only. Uh, a movie starring, Jesus, Renee Zellweger and Kevin Bacon. God, I hope they get together. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it sounds interesting and it got pretty good reviews, but like no release whatsoever that mm. it's like a dramedy based loosely on George Hamilton's upbringing about like traveling <laughs> a lot with his mom. Sure. Who's, huh. who's, uh, I think in acting. All right. Yeah. As long as it's like, got a uh, Zorro the Gay Blade reference, okay. I'm in. Does Kevin Bacon play a young George Hamilton? Mm. No, I don't Damn. think so. I think he plays a dad. Damn. But it's like, oh, why? it's one of these where it's like, oh, I've never heard of this, and it's got okay reviews. I'll put it to the list, but it's about 6,000 down, so never mind. You mean to tell me there's a movie called Blind Date that doesn't have Bruce Willis, Kim Basinger, or uh, Tina Fey, or Steve Carell? And I'm sorry. Blind Date. With... That's Date Night. You are thinking Date Night. You are thinking But the first one night. was Blind Date. You're right. Okay. Oh, you're right. All right. But Blind Date with Stanley Tucci yeah. and Patricia Clarkson. Joke ruined, but Aww, movie unseen. They're two yeah. most charming, and they also play husband and wife in Easy A, which is a great movie. Huh. Maybe this yeah, is how this they is, met. Uh, no, uh, it's a remake of a Dutch film about an uh, older married couple who are trying to like get their groove back by setting themselves up on blind dates with each other. Aw. It sounds kind of sweet. Yeah. All right. And I love those two actors, so I'm on board. How about brief interviews with hideous men? Jeez Louise. <sighs> Look at this I mean, cast. It's got a great cast. It's John Krasinski's directorial debut mm. based on the short story book. Okay. Eh. okay. Eh. And eh. on to the bigger mo- God, all these movies suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Again, the movies are meh because everyone's with the TV and that's where all the attention is. So right. you want to blow through this. We don't even have to listen to, to the trailers if all you don't right, want. Good. I don't good. want um, All right, we got the Fame remake. Who cares? I want to live forever. I, I, like I want to pa- learn how to fly. I like the Sideshow Bob's uh, in it, but that's it. Pandorum. Um, man, Jesus, you could have pulled a. Could you pull a more boring movie title out of a hat? Pandorum. Um, let's see. I think I saw some description of it that was sort of like it's like Event Horizon, but 
cheaper somehow, which I refuse to believe. Event Horizon <laughs> was beautifully budget. But it's about uh, they go up in a spaceship to colonize another planet, and the people get woken up early, and there's monsters. Mm. Scary. Okay. I mean, it sounds like, in the end, some of the ideas are interesting. And I like Norman Reedus and Ben Foster and Dennis Quaid. So, But it just... I mean, tell me in the comments if I'm wrong about this, but it looked just sort of like I've been here before. I just don't feel like Dennis Quaid should be in space. <laughs> Only inner space. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He just doesn't seem like a spachemin to me. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I'm about to lose. Uh, uh, <laughs> Surrogates. I only remember this movie because I made fun of it while interviewing the mystery science guys, and they laughed at uh, the idea of like nice. that'd be a boring movie to riff. Surrogates. I want this to be an uh, sequel to Junior. No, <laughs> with Bruce Willis, please. Sadly, I bet it's hard sci-fi ruined by the Hollywood system. I believe yeah. it was futuristic, but it just got horribly reviewed, and it looked like something oh, I'd yeah. want to see, especially because Bruce Willis used to be this weird sign of quality for something like Twelve Monkeys. Uh, and yeah, I heard this Sixth is terrible. Sense. Sixth Sense. Yeah, right. Or oh, it's a world where everyone just like lives through their robots. They just have the perfect robot versions while we all sit at home and get fat. Wow, that's. Do I'm it. sure that's really insightful satire right there. And then there's a murder, and it's like someone <laughs> uploaded a virus to someone's you know little avatar surrogate running around, and it killed the guy at home. Okay. Who Good. done it? I don't know. It looked. It all right. Makes me think of iRobot. Of yeah. just like let's mm-hmm. take a basic sci-fi idea. And then just make like a big dumb movie out of it. Well, and just not make it any fun. Wasn't this also a movie that we just talked about with Gamer? <gasps> oh my God. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was that the one with similar. Michael C. Hall? Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh,. Screw it. Let's get to the TV. Can we Ooh. always do the show this fast? Okay, but we usually <laughs> no. like to play clips, but the, the, those are so uh, unremarkable. Three, yeah. Uh, 2009 TV, September 20th through the 26th. Do we want to talk about the Emmys? Sure. Got to rattle them real fast. Uh, Emmys this week. Who's hosting this week? Uh, Neil Patrick Harris? No, he announced. Um, yeah, he's hosting. Oh, he's hosting. Okay, he's hosting. Uh, 30 Rock wins for original series. I'm down. Damn right. Mm-hmm. Mad Men wins for drama series. Good Time to Be Alive, Outstanding Variety, Music Comedy Series, Daily Show, like it. Uh, outstanding Variety, Kennedy Center Honors, Boo. Grey Gardens wins for Best Original Made for Television I'm into Movie. It. Yeah. I guess. That documentary is great. I'm too afraid to watch this movie. Uh, no, no it's, it's easier to watch than the documentary. It is. Is it? Yeah. 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 I watched it with my grandma and my mom and my little sister. Yeah, but sister. part of the documentary is like it's, it's, so it's horrifying. Like, water doesn't run in here? Oh, yeah. my God. Uh, the Amazing Race wins for reality competition program, which I imagine is a category that has been added somewhat recently. I feel like recently. the Amazing Race always wins. Really? Yeah. Yes. Because it's like the yeah. production is so intense and involved. They're like, mm. yeah, we'll give it to you. Uh, yeah. Recently that roasted. had a lock on that for like 10 years or something until yeah. someone else won. Right. Recently roasted Alec Baldwin wins for lead actor in a comedy series while Tony Collette takes it for United States of Terra, a show I've never seen a single frame of for a lead actress in a comedy series. Brian Cranston wins for Breaking Bad, as he should. Woo. I literally just looked at a meme on my phone, like, um, Mr. White, I'm sorry to report you have cancer, uh, but this is Canada, so you'll be fine. Executive producer, <laughs> yeah. Vince Gilligan. <laughs> Glenn Close wins for Damages. In, oh, um, so good. Lead a drama series. Brendan Gleeson wins for uh, lead actor in Into the Storm, an HBO movie, and Jessica Lang wins for Big Edie uh, in, yep. in Grey Gardens. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Jesus Christ. 
John Cryer wins for supporting actor, which probably isn't fair because I'm guessing he's kind of the star. And <laughs> Kristen Chenoweth wins for pushing Daisy. That's surprising. Yay, that's so great. Uh, an actor, a supporting actress in a comedy series. Ben Linus wins for a <laughs> supporting actor in a drama series mm. for uh, Lost, who has the famous, who my, has my favorite reading of my hometown uh, of all time. Mm. You need to see the man from Tallahassee. <laughs> we promise this is important. Will lead to something which it will not, and and, and does not. Uh, Cherry Jones from uh, as as President Allison Taylor. Holy shit! I was way off at of twenty four at this point. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. the Allstate guy was president the whole time, and I don't want to read anymore. <laughs> but oh, Justin Timberlake wins. Oh, let's just say for Dick in the his Dick in the Box episode. Sure. Um, yeah. How about much. that? And Tina Fey wins outstanding guest actress for Sarah Palin, also on SNL. Mm. Yay! Yay. I did not know Michael J. Fox won guest actor on a drama series. I did not know he was on Rescue Me because that show is terrible. Oh, I kind of was into Rescue Me. No, I watched me. a ton of it. I watched so much of it. Got a great Von Bondi's theme. Yeah, uh, come on, come on. But then it's just unrepentantly stupid. It, <laughs> it goes really nowhere. is. It really is. I've actually tried to go back and like peek at it a little bit. like Because I also have really good memories of watching it mm. at a certain time in my life with some friends. And like now I'm like... Hey, yay, yay. <laughs> That's how I feel about it. <laughs> and uh, ooh, this week on HBO, again, I think it's a great time for HBO comedies because Curb yes. is back with one of its best seasons ever, uh, shorthandly known as the Seinfeld season. Yeah. Is this the premiere? This is the premiere. It's Funkhauser's Crazy Sister, I forgot played by how... Catherine O'Hara. I remember her being on the show, but like this is an episode like, man, I do not think you would do this storyline again. I don't think so either, but... <laughs> Man, is it funny. <laughs> like I went back and revisited this whole episode and I I am not a laugh out loud person when I'm watching a television program and I laughed the entire way through this episode. It's so good. It's, Everyone's so good at it. It's perfect curb. It just like it I, I I was just I was watching in the background while I was playing Gears of War, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's just like, uh, yeah, the Catherine O'Hara is a crazy person who needs to be constantly taken care of, and while Larry goes to the bathroom, Jeff just fucks her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jeff Garland. But this conversation that they have, that Jeff and, uh, and Larry have with her, like, while they're just hanging out, is so good, and it makes me feel like many conversations I've had with people, and it's, ugh, it's rough. All right. So... What's new? <laughs> All right. So, what's happening? <laughs> Guess who told Marty to shut up? When was I give up. Who? He didn't tell you? No. Oh, no. come on. She's great. Great actress. A- Angelina Jolie? No. You know who I mean. She's an actress. She uh-huh. shut the right to Marty. Uh, Nicole Kidman? No. Julia Roberts? No. She's uh, not, uh, multi, multi-talented. Oh, I know, I know. Hannah Montana. did this this episode <laughs> yeah. not in your head. yeah uh, this is a conversation i have with many people oh who's that person you know who it is with no hints yeah uh, <laughs> also yeah. i love how Catherine o'hara makes her voice sound like funk hauser's voice yes <laughs> she really i was like what is happening here and, oh she like deepened and raspied up her voice <laughs> yes. a little bit to be funk hauser's sister to be super dave's sister yeah just it it does seem delightful to me in a show that's like largely improv you just get Catherine o'hara and like um you're crazy. Go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and she does. Uh, another Law & Order SVU milestone. Ten years. 
to the yeah. uh, to the week about a woman who IDs the wrong man as a rapist, sending him to jail for twenty five years. The real rapist is guest star Oscar, multiple Oscar winner Mahershala Ali, mm-hmm. and and one of my favorite shows debuts Me? this week on HBO that Two. nobody talks about. I love this show. It's it's really good. It's like it's yes. loving the show feels like learning to like a really good whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Ooh. it's a very classy show. It's one of the only shows I can talk about that I went to a symposium on. Ooh, like it la, cost la. a lot of money back in the day. Jason Schwartzman, uh, Ted Danson, and Zach Gackelflan, uh Nackus in Bored to Death. I told you months ago that if we were going to make this work, you had to stop drinking and smoking pot. <laughs> I'll quit the pot. I read your book. Really? Your ending's a week, and I found a typo. Are you working on a new book? Yes, it's coming along really well. I saw you're out on Craigslist. I need a private detective. I believe I can help you. So Jason Schwartzman plays Jonathan Ames, Mm -hmm. who is also the writer and Mm -hmm. co-creator of this show. As uh, he's just, I'm going to pretend to be a detective. Yeah. Just to do it. And to kind of get, like, inspiration for his novels. Yes. By the way, did you recognize who that was, who was his girlfriend who was breaking up with him? Wait, no. It's. <laughs> what? It's Kiss Me, Kill Me, Olivia Thirlby. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things you've ever said. Never know what she looked like. Um, uh, but Zach Galifianakis, he's like, this is like uh, right after his, like, hangover breakthrough he's in this show and he's playing very similar character kind of this hapless schlubby friend Mm -hmm. uh who's helping him out driving him on detective missions and i did not know the comedic brilliance or i don't know of ted danson i guess because i'd never seen him play a character Mm. like this but just kind of a more prissy whiny fun like i like a rich guy who just wants to have fun who hates being locked into this rich world and any stupid thing like i want to go on i want to go on a stakeout yeah let me go on a stakeout (laughs) What's really funny, too, is that around the same time, it may be even this year, he Ted Danson also has a run on Damages, mm-hmm. the aforementioned show, where he kind of plays the same character, oh, really? but in a serious show. But, but, but still, I yeah, like, but I like non-confident, so good, good Ted. It's He's very much like the character who would go on to be in The Good Place. Yes. Uh, it, oh, in in, in yeah. the show. And he said, he said in... In this thing I went to, he's like, this is my favorite role I've ever played in my entire life. I really... Uh, On Bored to Death. I'm enjoying... I love Ted dancing because I feel like he's really having fun and living his best life right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like, I just feel like everything I see him in, everything I see him doing, he's just having the best time. And the show, by the way, is fucking gorgeous. Like, before every HBO show was shot in New York, it was just seemingly painstakingly shot in New York. Mm -hmm. And it's... uh, there's a little bit of looks of high society and also all the burrows. I really like that aspect about it. I remember a line from the first episode. I was a writer and uh, having romantic trouble. And I just remember Ted Danson taking a hit off of a joint in a ba- in a fucking bathroom stall. And the, what magazine did he work for? Was oh, it a fictional gosh. one? I can't remember. Uh, and he's just like, oh, we're writers. We thrill and then we disappoint. I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. That's the trajectory. Is that, is that not all men? I thought that's what all men did. Thrill and disappoints. But I really, really love the show. It's three seasons of like, I don't know, like, like cool perfection. It's a cool show. Yes, very much so. It's never that loud. It's never that crazy. Uh, But I love like, yeah, I really do like Bored to Death quite a bit. Me too. 
Uh, also uh, this week on the 23rd, Cougar Town debuts. Cougar Town. <laughs> I've never watched, but it's from the Scrub guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. And a lot like Scrubs, it's a show where if I, I, I never seek it out, but if it's on, I watch it and I end up really enjoying myself. And I think I should watch this more often. Mm-hmm. And then I don't. And then weeks go by and then I catch it again. And I'm like, this is fun. Well, I, yeah. like the other thing I, read I love the, the show. That the, I love what I read. The creator said, like, we created the show's stupid name and then both like everyone, all the writers in Courtney agreed, like, this premise is gross and stupid. Mm-hmm. And that it was supposed yeah. to be about a cougar town about women seducing young men like i think they were like 12 episodes in she's getting married and they just (laughs) kind of decided like "Mm, the best episodes the most highest rated episodes Mm -hmm. and the ones that were best received were the ones where just a group of friends hanging out Mm -hmm. it's like the Mm cul-de-sac crew basically because it's corning cox and her ex-husband so it's all set in florida by the way in sarasota county and so it's very florida the character's feel very florida which i appreciate and yeah it's her hanging out with her ex-husband and her neighbor and her her husband oh, and busy phillips right? yeah and busy phillips mm-hmm. who is her assistant and it's just great it's like really funny the first season got trashed by the mm-hmm. critics and apparently it's not super good i came in on the second season where it just kind of made a 180. Did this show go mm -hmm. over to CBS from a network? TBS. It was on ABC and then it went over to TBS um, at some point. But... I've only seen the episodes from the weird-ass metafiction from Community. Right. Where Abed... (laughs) It's very strange and a very cool thing to do. It's... I really, really enjoy it. There's so many running jokes and gags throughout the entire series that these, you know... It feels like a fun group of friends to hang out with because <laughs> mm. it's corny mm. packs. And, um, but, you know, part of it is. Do they is not that... do friends reunions on the show? No. Huh? No. But they part of the fun is that they have running jokes and inside jokes that if you watch it, you kind of get. And they have their little games that they play and their little rules for their friendships and everything. It's really, really sweet oh, and awesome. Lord. This is such a packed. The, and is this a show that's still on The Good Wife? No. It's not still on. The Good Wife is not on anymore, but they do have, I think, a spinoff show called The Good Fight Uh with Christine Baranski. But The Good Wife is also great. How does she stack up as a wife? most of it. Pretty good. Okay. Pretty good. Pretty pretty good wife. Pretty pretty, Pretty good wife. Pretty pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Starring Juliana Margulies, Matt Shrunchki. Shrunchki. Crunchy. Archie Punjabi, Christine Baranski, Josh Charles, and Alan Cumming. And Chris Noth as the bad husband. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's about this woman who stands by her man after he is involved in a high publicity affair. It was inspired by the Elliot Spitzer and um, mm. John Edwards affairs that occurred. And she kind of, in order to do damage control, and she's like, fuck this, I'm going to take back my life. She goes back to work as an attorney, um, but she has to kind of start at the low rung of a big law firm again, even though she's like, you know, in her 40s. And it's really, really great, honestly. I I mean, it's like a procedural, Mm -hmm. you know, pretty much like a law procedural in a way, but then there are also like overarching storylines that also happen. But the acting's great. The writing's great. I was a huge fan of the show when it was on. And in big news for people who aren't me, a huge show <sighs> debuts this week, uh, Modern Family. Yeah. I uh, didn't even bother listing the stars because we all know them. Right. 
uh, Sofia Vergara and everybody else. A show that's still going. Yep. And I feel like another one where it's like, I watched it regularly for a while and then it's just like, eh, it started falling to the bottom of my list. And still, every time I catch it, I'm just charmed as hell. It's so damn cute. Yeah. I I bought the first season on DVD because, like, I like all these people. This should Mm -hmm. be fun. And it was, but it just wasn't, Mm -hmm. it never sent me back in to watch it again. Yeah, it was definitely a show that I would DVR and I loved from the beginning. And then after about five or six seasons, I kind of was like, all right, I think I get it. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I do have some issues with some of what we see on Modern Family because I feel like some of the attitudes and the the archetypes that we see are mm. kind of regressive in a lot of ways mm. um hmm. some of the relationships i'm like okay enough already with the dumb husband and the uptight wife and the it's just some of the archetypes i find to be very tiresome but mm-hmm. there are so many of the individual jokes and quotes and writing in it that are that is very good mm. um mm-hmm. which you know it's fine you have a cl- the clip that sold you on the it. clip from the first episode that sold me right when Cam and Mitch adopted their baby. This is from what Vietnam, I remember from it, and they're on the <laughs> the plane, and I was like, okay, oh. this show is gonna be great. You saw that, right? Everybody fawning over Lily, and then you walk on, and suddenly it's all, ooh, Sky Mall. I gotta buy a motorized tie rack. All right, you know, I'm, I'm going to give the speech. You are not giving the speech. Well, you're going to be stuck no, with right. these people for the next five you're right, hours. You're right. Okay, I'm sorry. Hi, hi. Look at that baby with those cream puffs. Okay. Excuse me. Excuse me. But this baby would have grown up in a crowded orphanage if it wasn't for us cream puffs. And you know what? No, to all of you who judge, hear this. Love knows no race, creed, (laughs) or gender. And shame on you. You small-minded, ignorant few. What? She's got the cream puffs. Oh. (laughs) We would like to pay for everyone's headsets. (laughs) (laughs) oh i enjoyed that so much the baby was actually holding two cream puffs i was thinking like when they introduced her baby like we're gonna do it nice and subtly and they just crank up the lion king music that's great too (laughs) that's what i remember from the first episode yeah uh so modern family uh let us know if you like it more than we do because you probably do it's weird though because i've i've seen it since you know like i don't know five six years ago Mm -hmm. i've seen like the most recent season and it's like all the kids are all grown up and everything and it's still good though but it's all of a sudden like whoa i stopped paying attention just i turned my head for 10 seconds and all of a sudden you're all grown ups there's a world i'm not familiar with called over the air television that Mm -hmm. um beams Mm -hmm. for free over the air and at any given time between 6 o'clock and 11 o'clock, you can find Modern Family it's airing true. every single day. Yep. And it is yep. definitely kind of my new hotel room mm. uh, show where if I'm in a hotel, especially if I'm by myself and I'm kind of feeling like, oh, lonely, I know that I can put the TV on and that'll be on. It'll okay. make me feel better. Video games of this week. Oh, Jesus. Katamari Forever as Yay. the Katamari series sort of. <laughs> Peter Sounds. Uh, Professor Layton, the Diabolical Box, a game I don't remember, mm-hmm. but I know I drank some free drinks on them, so thank you, Nintendo. Hey, Paramount noticed the Rockstars the Warriors, one of the greatest video game adaptations of one of the greatest movies of all time, did really well. And like, we don't even need Rockstar and tried to make their own Warriors game. It sucked, but it's out this week. The Warriors Street Brawl, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Smash Up, a Wii Smash Brothers-esque game starring the Ninja Turtles and uh, all of their cast. Spyborgs, a game I don't remember at all. But think that's a fun name. And ladies and gentlemen, Halo 3 ODST, a Halo oh. sidequel starring Nathan Fillion. Uh, it also introduced the Firefight Horde mode. 
Uh, I played this so much for a week and have never thought about it since. That is it for our show. We have got to cut it off here because it has been too fucking massive. Uh, you can find out more at lasertimepodcast.com where we have our other shows. Laser Time, a topic-based show. Uh, Video Game Apocalypse, our Friday video game show all about the news, reviews, new releases, and, of course, a top five magazine-style feature you don't need to know shit about. You can listen to anytime. Every single episode hosted by Mr. Diana Goodman, Michael Raparez, and Maddie Allen and myself. Uh, and bonus time. You can get it exclusively at patreon.com slash laser time in addition to the brand new season of Elm Street Nightmare, season three, covering Child's Play, the Chucky franchise. Seven glorious episodes uh, to follow up the seven Freddy episodes and the ten Jason episodes, exclusively for patrons, in addition to over 100 movie commentaries and over 100 free podcasts with more exclusive stuff to come. Thank you so much for your support. It means a lot, and it just says something good about you. You're willing to put your money where, you're, where, where something you love is. Uh, seriously, we only get a yeah, few opportunities. Put your money where our mouths are. That, that would really help me <laughs> so right now. So we can eat. I am starving, and I have to eat a yeah. sandwich on stale bread. You could buy me good bread. Diana, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter at ListenNerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or uh, follow the show at 302010podcast, 302010podcast. And uh, with all that out of the way, we got to know who lives and who dies. Who died this uh, week? We got more big birthdays and death days, just to go with the super size of everything on this episode. Uh, in 1989, we lost Irving Berlin at the ripe old age of 101. He's the Jewish Ooh. guy who wrote all the best Christmas songs. <laughs> And then in 1999, we lost George C. Scott. He was 71. Oh, he was a magnificent bastard. He was a magnificent <laughs> bastard. I read his book. <laughs> oh, uh, there I mean, is the... Obviously... Mark it your calendars. Patton. That was the last Patton reference you'll ever hear. Uh, <laughs> ever. Ever. By people way too young to know that shit. Whew. Again. Uh, well, I think I picked that one up for Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> me too. Um, yeah, if you haven't seen Patton, we started the show talking about Doctor Strangelove, and holy shit, is George C. Scott amazing in that movie. He's one of those people who didn't do enough comedies and is so fucking funny in a, in Doctor Strangelove. It's astonishing. George yeah. C. Scott, yes, of my groin fame for you people who only know actors through the sim. And with that, we got to go to the birthday quiz. Oh, birthday is a doodly doo, a ding dong doodly doodly ding dong doo. Oh, birthday! Oh, this is a birthday quiz. I have been waiting to do this, and I feel bad that it is on a super show because this is going to be a little bit. It might take us a while. Let's do it. Oh gosh! All right, born September twenty fifth, nineteen forty four, turning seventy five. Mm-hmm. Is the son of a Russian Jewish father and a British mother whose family were all like high up in the British government in Bermuda. <laughs> Alexander Hamilton? No, he's way old. Yeah. <laughs> he attended a bunch of fancy private schools and eventually graduated from noted party school at UC Santa Barbara and then went into acting, getting his TV break in 1969. Mm. <laughs> no? Okay. No. How about if I told you September 25th, 1969, his wife was born in Swansea, Wales. Her mom put her uh, in dance classes because she was so hyper, and she got a big break uh, on 42nd Street in the West End when both the star and the first understudy couldn't perform, which is amazing because 42nd Street is literally about an understudy who becomes a star. Uh, Not Julie Andrews, the only stage actress I can name, period. Combined, they have three Oscars. Wow. Best actor, best supporting actress, and best picture. Best picture? Yes. So this person, one of these people also directed or produced? Produced. Uh, Fisher Stevens. 
No. <laughs> we have talked about a pile of movies that these people have been in. Let's start with you, me, and Dupree, Ghost of Girlfriends Past. Uh, Those aren't going to help you. Is it... Michael Douglas and uh, okay. Catherine Zeta-Jones? Holy shit, it is! Yeah. Well done! That is right. They have the same birthday 25 years apart. Wow. Awesome. She is turning 50. He is turning 75. We also talked about The Phantom, The Sentinel, The Haunting, The Game, <laughs> A Perfect Murder, No Reservations, Beyond a Reasonable Doubt, Last Week, Mask of Zorro, Black Rain, This Week, Entrapment, Ghost in the Darkness, Fatal Attraction, and Wall Street on this show. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow, wow. Are they still together? Yes, I they believe are. they are. Even, even after he blamed her pussy for getting cancer? Yes. <laughs> yep. I didn't know you could do that publicly and still I don't be with somebody. I think it was hers, per se. I oh. feel like it was the, the sheer amount, I feel like I it was implied. Oh, you think it's a volume game? <laughs> I think it's a volume <laughs> issue. All right. <laughs> all right. See, that reminds me of a... Uh, never mind. I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, but That's a twofer. Oh, God. A twofer two one. Uh, all right. Well, that is it for us. This show has been executive produced by J.R. Rawls and many other fine people at patreon.com slash later time. Again, J.R. Rawls... Great feedback. Love reading it on the Facebook group and in the comments of LaserTimePodcast.com or 302010.net. We do encourage you to leave your, leave your feedback. We used to do a comment show. Uh, let us know here and there whether you'd like to see us do that again. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I always love putting it together, but we are pressed for time in this crazy time of uh, seasonal Octoberiness and uh, new shows and new content coming your way. And, oh, my God, this is one of the biggest Wait, shows we've ever done. I wanted to say one more thing about Cougar no. Town. Okay. All the episodes are named after Tom Petty songs. Are they really? Yes. <laughs> wow. A native Floridian. I was just looking through my notes in, that I keep in my little composition book, and I was like, <gasps> can't believe I didn't mention that. That's, that's, pretty, <laughs> neat. that's pretty neat. I wish I could name a Tom Petty song, but he didn't write that many. Not very prolific. Not very prolific. Not that my dad weaned me on that shit like fucking mother's milk. Anyway, let's close out with... Bust the Move by Young MC because it's on the charts this week and I don't know why Dan is, is choosing this other than that but like this is the first rap song to break through to us as little kids this is the first one I remember mm. everybody having and being like I just sort of gotten a radio mm-hmm. but like wait you can buy songs on the radio yeah dude little tapes they have like one song on them and Lord knows you didn't need singles. you didn't need singles. another Young MC song other than Bust a Move um, and We'll close out with that. Please come back next week because it's going to be even better. He says not having any idea what we're going to be talking about. But it'll be fun and definitely (laughs) shorter than this episode. Oh, yeah. I I have some notes in the Thundercats finale. God, I suck. Uh, (laughs) Take a bust an ending, young MC. Jesus. Start the show, then you spot a fine woman sitting in your row. She's dressed in yellow. She says, Hello, come sit next to me, you fine fellow. You run over there without a second to lose. And what comes next? Hey, bust a move.